This week's episode of This Is Only a Test is brought to you by Huawei's MateBook X Pro. Winner of 27 global awards and now comes with Windows Hello. Unlock your Huawei MateBook X Pro with the touch of your fingerprint. Secure, fast, and no password to remember. For a limited time, get a free $300 gift card with purchase. Visit a Microsoft store near you today. Hey, let's start the show. For Thursday, June 7th, 2018, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. everyone and welcome to this week's episode as jeremy finished chugging some delicious coffee tea thai tea thai tea i'm norm got jeremy in the house and returning for his first time in three weeks a clean shaven kishore hari i shaved off my beard last before the last time i was here no one remembers that do you remember how to do this podcast uh, <laughs> I, I talk somewhere in a direction I uh, say things incorrectly, and the commenters correct me. Oh, I precisely. believe I got it down. Yeah, that sounds 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 about right. I, I want to say, um, it, it just coming back, congratulations on your baby's arrival. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, the birthing process is very difficult. Don't jump the gun. Though. It was very, it was very. Uh, no, uh, no. Norm had a baby <laughs> delivered this weekend. <laughs> do you not know about this? I think he picked up the baby. Yeah, I didn't do any delivering myself. Oh, you had to go get the baby. Mm, mm-hmm. So what'd you get this weekend? Uh, I got a new car. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a Prius? No, it's not a Prius. <laughs> Is it a Bolt? No, not a Bolt. <laughs> I got I got the Model 3. You know, um, among the Tesla community, yeah. of which I, I am reluctantly a part of now, Ooh. Uh, you cannot call it the M3. The M3 is BMW's car. Oh, yeah. You have to say Model 3. <laughs> uh-huh. So I got the Model 3. Is there a name for Tesla owners, like Teslites? No. So There's a website called Teslarati, but I, I refuse yeah. to. Yeah, I don't know about that now. one. Secret handshake? Mm, I did. I I have been on the freeway yeah. and other, other uh, in the car, whether it's uh, other Model 3 owners mm-hmm. or uh, Model X or Model S owners, when they glance my way, and some have. You get that nod, don't you? I do. The three finger. The yeah. three finger. The three, the three <laughs> finger. <laughs> the three finger salute, the L three salute. Oh, is that the three salute? The three salute. Oh my gosh! Where if you're watching the video, it's like this scout sign. Yeah. Some people can't bend their pinky all the way down, but it's holding. It's like as, as opposed to pistol fingers, which are two fingers. Pew pew. It's three fingers. What are you talking about? And you do a little. Check. It's not a thing, is it? I do. I do it. <laughs> you're trying to start something. I'm trying not sure that something. one's gonna take right, off. I, I know you have a lot to say about this. Oh, I got so much to say. You've been thinking about it for days now. I, I've been waiting for this podcast. I can go for an hour and a half easily about this car, okay, but I'm not going to. Good. So, just your your <laughs> your one your first impression. Are you happy? Uh, overall, yeah, very happy. Okay, excellent. But first impression, you know, there's a, there there will be things to talk about about the whole experience overall. Met some. Uh, I will give shout outs to um, the people who work at Tesla. Uh, who listens to the podcast, uh, met a listener, um, podcast Matthew, at the Delivery Center, and he said hi, a very nice gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, everyone there was great. 
Um, but we'll talk about all all things about the experience uh, at some point in the show. We're not going to bog that down in the beginning because it's a big, big news week. And me having a new car is not the biggest story this week. Shall we jump right to it? Top story this week. Some awesome. small company had a, their developer conference, right? Yeah, yeah. Some small company with a nearly trillion-dollar valuation. <laughs> Apple had its WWDC annual developers conference this week. Highly anticipated, hotly anticipated. It's typically the event where a lot of software updates are announced to all their platforms, whether it's macOS, iOS, or now Watch OS and Apple TV and Apple TV. Who cares about Apple TV? Uh, sometimes we get hardware announcements. Uh, that wasn't the case this this year. Nope. Uh, no new iPads. Get that out of the way. New new iPhones. No surprise hey, watch hardware band. announcements. Watch bands are a form of hardware. Uh, I guess. Okay. Uh, te- technically true. Technically true. What's yes. interesting is that all the software that we hear about at WWDC has features for the new hardware. Like we just don't hear about it yet. Because all the new hardware ships with this OS. Yeah, that's true. So a lot of people use what's either announced on stage or not announced on stage with things that are uncovered in the sessions and in the the notes of this uh, announcement in this whole week of conferencing to infer the features that may be in future hardware. We know there's going to be a new phone at the end of the year. We know there's probably going to be some new 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 tablet. It's probably a new watch. Yeah. Uh, This is the third year into the watch, and they're going to want those people, that first-gen watch, who can't update new software (gasps) to buy buy the new watch. Are we going to jump in right there? Watch, watch OS. Is is that watch OS? I don't know how many out there have watches. Either of you have an original series? Yeah, they call it a Series Zero. Series zero. So that let, feels like a punch down. Let's set the stage, right? When the Apple Watch was first announced, uh, it was a three hundred and thirty dollars, um, and uh, many software hiccups. I would say with that watch in terms of slow loading times, um, and people still figuring out the company still figuring out what the best use scenario is. It's clearly narrowed down to fitness and tracking of of, of body health. Uh, and then the second generation watch came out, but they replaced all the first generation with same price um, and what they now call the Series 1. Right. Slightly more RAM, right? Exactly. So if you bought a first, quote-unquote, first-gen watch uh, the second year, the, the, the step down, it was actually a new model. So anyone who bought the Series Zero Early watch, adopters. Early adopters, including people who may have spent $10,000. $17,000 on the Beyonce edition gold watch before they had the JJ ceramic Abrams, one. the only one. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I bet they were probably gifted their watches. Uh, those watches are not updatable to Watch OS 5. Now, what's, what's special about Watch OS 5? What, Walk- what was announced? Walk us through it. Walkie-talkie. Is the flagship feature. You know, that that is the most reported about feature. Mm-hmm. Not that interesting to me. No, me neither. Who would you use that with? Because, wait, let's describe what it is. Basically, you're like spouse. Because right now on the watch, you can make phone calls. With the newer watch that have LTE connections, you're paying that $5, $10 a month on the additional. You can make a direct phone call. Yeah. Dick Tracy style, you have voice commands. You can also use the watch to send iMessages. That's been there the whole time. Voice Siri dictated iMessages. Walkie talkie, you would think by its name, is the ability to have a dedicated person that you would have short bursts of instantaneous messaging as if you both had walkie-talkies on you. When I use a walkie-talkie and I'm camping or if I'm in a, you know, I'm holding the button down, I'm 
push, push the talk, essentially, uh, saying my message, and they hear it immediately wherever they are. That, that is what it is. That's, that's not what it is. There is a delay. It's not real time. You mean the voice is not relayed in real time? The voice is not relayed it in real time. It records it and then sends it. Exactly. It is basically a voice iMessage. Yep. That yeah. is, and what you can do on your phone, send voice messages and send. Right. And the only difference between that and sending, a, like making a call, yep. is you don't have to answer it. As long as you're approved, it just automatically comes out of your watch. Like if you were to send me a, a, a com, it would just start, I would just start hearing it. Or you, you would have that delay period to say mute it if you're in the middle of a meeting. I guess I would assume if you're on Do Not Disturb, it doesn't make that sound. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It seems like it would be fun for friends, like really like best friends or maybe spouses. I don't know. So it is effectively, from a technological standpoint, exactly the same thing as a voice text message, a, vo a voice email even, right? Yeah. Right. The only thing that's different in the user experience is that the audio is piped out from your watch yeah. and it pops up instantaneously with that when you're approved in that approved friends group. Now, you can also replay, so it's not like a re, uh, oh, really? analog walkie-talkie yeah. where you just hold that you lose yeah. the message. So effectively, it's just a voice iMessage that you can that, that pops up, which is actually a feature of iMessage. You can send rec short recordings. Yeah, exactly. That's what I say. And you get that little technologically is exactly the same thing, yeah. except that Different from a user are. experience standpoint, it it pops yeah. it, a tiny they're person just, in your in your. They're just wrist. trying to crap capture the nostalgia of all those Nextel users that are still out <laughs> that's there. That's right. Yeah, uh, like in terms of actual real world use scenario, mm -hmm. if you're at work, I don't want this popping up. No, I have zero no. interest in this popping up. No, I don't. I don't think I would ever. Not with anybody. Like I'm happy with texting. That's fine. Right. Yeah. Right. So what is the use scenario where you would actually, one, want to have your friends interrupt you because it is an interruption <laughs> by, by design, and two, no uh, want to engage in a conversation that way yeah. and not just call? The only situation I thought about is like a parent-to-kid relationship um, where that might be useful. But even that Do you is... get delivery receipts? I know you got my walkie-talkie message. I know you got my voice message. I, Answer me, child. I, I just know. don't see much use in the walkie-talkie feature. It, but it's one of those things I want to see how it works. Because if it's a lot faster than text messaging, which we don't think it will be, uh, then it would have a huge use case. Or if there's a way that you can send information quicker because uh, when you're connected to Wi-Fi or whatever. Um, but we have to wait and see until it comes out for that. I actually didn't think the walkie-talkie was the big thing with watch What was? OS. What was? I, so you said it, it narrowed on fitness. Watches have narrowed on fitness. So it has auto start on fitness now, which is the streamlining of, of basically user experience, which ties through to what they mostly did with iOS 12 when we get to that. Um, and fr frankly, I didn't realize this. You can't listen to uh, Apple Podcasts on your watch? Yeah, podcasts is a big thing now that you can – that they – I didn't realize in, that yeah, was something right. you couldn't do before. That well, seems crazy. it took a, a few generations for them to even have local storing for Apple Music. Uh, and so now you have Apple Podcasts, which makes so much sense for fitness. But the totally point you, you, meant early, you mentioned earlier is that the, putting it in a fitness tracking mode is now automatically detected. Yeah, so when you start running, it just goes into the mode. Yeah. And you can obviously opt out if you're just like running to catch a bus or something. It'll ask you if you yeah. want to enter fitness tracking mode, but then it will grandfather in the time you've actually spent exercising, which is it's nice. Which I, is a nice UI feature. I guess. 
yeah. it's making use of the haptics. You know, uh, one of the features when that watch first came out that I thought was going to be useful was the the subtle directional haptics. When you use it to give you left and right directions, if you're on a bicycle, it tapping your wrist slightly on the left versus slightly on the right was to indicate which direction you'd be turning mm-hmm. or the number of taps. And that's going to now be integrated into fitness where it's going to help you pace your workout with haptics. I don't really, I don't feel like those haptics are meaningful yeah. to me. They're, they're big into sharing your fitness uh, with other people. We, so, we're not the target audience for this. A lot of people I know who do runs love sharing their fitness. So I guess that's been a popular feature, but yeah. now you'll be able to actually issue challenges to your friends and spend a week trying to hit the same calorie goal. Yeah. Uh, it also has integrated new dis- the new do not disturb modes, which we'll get into and how that ties into yeah. Apple's new philosophy of getting you to use your phone less. But I do not really. Th- I do think the podcast and music thing is a bigger deal than we're giving it credit for because my my sense, and we haven't seen numbers about this, is that AirPods have done exceptionally well for oh, yeah. them in the last, especially over the last six months. The I AirPods feel like they're have- much more ubiquitous yeah. um, out in the wild. And so now having that integration with AirPods and podcasts from the watch, I think is actually going to make it more attractive to a certain type of user that already owns the the AirPods. Uh, are we going to talk about Siri uh, on the watch? There isn't much to say no. on the watch, except they've added a, a couple minor features. Yeah, the Siri watch face is improved. Uh, I still don't use it. Um, and there's still no watch face store, so there's no way for people to upload their own watch faces and let you buy them. They're locking you down. They're expanding them a little bit, but it's still you, you are using Apple's designs and customizing their designs. Also, no sleep tracking, but I think their philosophy is that people shouldn't be wearing the watch while they're asleep. They should be charging it while That's their philosophy? <laughs> I think based on, based on Take their— Take off that watch. Well, based on how much battery—they're designed. Yes. By design because by design. of the battery limitations exactly. of these devices. Yeah. I don't think anything announced would encourage people to buy a watch that don't already own it or, or have a desire for one. Ex- except— ex- Oh, right, who don't already own it. Except for the people who did buy the first gen— yeah. They may be more enticed this fall when this update comes out to buy a new watch because their watch is going to be outdated. Well, I wonder what that watch would have that would entice people to buy it. Battery life. I wonder, maybe, maybe, but I mean, there's got to be a huge improvement to make any difference there. I wonder if it might have a camera, if they might be able to do FaceTime. I know. Dick Tracy, mm. full style. Oh, front-facing camera. Yeah. As opposed to pointing out into the world. I just think the user experience of like holding your watch up like this to mm-hmm. do FaceTime. Don't you think they'll do it up eventually? The up the nose? It just seems like the a big feature that they could add to the watch. I'm not sure what else just, they can do. I wonder if it's just so awkward that mm-hmm. they just are going to skip it. Uh, what would be great is actually a sleeker design because they've all had, had this very yeah, thick I agree. body. It's, a, it's the Mark Newsom body yeah. like, and, and the band. I don't see them changing that for You need for that a while. battery. Yeah. It needs to be plump for the battery and also for the um the biometrics. If they yeah. ever get to 2 days on the battery, that's that's the advantage that I think will make a big difference. All right, let's move on cuz this is enough on the watch. All right, okay. Uh let's go to well, let's save iOS for last. Let's go to let's go to Mac OS. Dark mode. Well, Mojave. Yeah. It's it's a uh, that's the new that's the new update. That's, uh, right. that's the new name, sorry yeah. for uh, they did not address the manufacturer of their keyboards at all. The the, the complaints about their bad keyboard design. So because it was not a hardware event, purely software. Yeah. Uh, 
The big thing with Mojave is that they are introducing uh, iOS integration. Kind well, of. Well, not really. This is a multi-year um, so, effort. The, the, the theory, and this is, I think it's, it's, a, it's a big thing that they announced, right? People are asking, when would, like, when would the MacBook have a touchscreen? Yeah. Does it make sense for the MacBook to have a touchscreen? And the philosophy for Apple has always been, they want, I think they want to sell both MacBooks to users slash iMacs um, slash Mac Pros in addition to selling you an iOS device, mm -hmm. keeping those product lines separate so you have to buy two devices to get the entire ecosystem of programs. Um, and as well as selling tablets, their iPad Pro, as a laptop replacement. So integration didn't really make sense. You buy one product for one specific thing. Uh, this may indicate a, finally a move to touchscreens on I don't, laptops. Well, Craig Federighi yep. said in the event, he said, I get asked all the time, when? Are we merging iOS and macOS? So let me take a moment to answer that question. And he said, no, we're not merging them. We like that they're very different. Yep. So I don't, I don't think we'll see that anytime soon. Once they do eventually, and I think they must make touchscreen uh, MacBooks, then maybe. But I, it just, that just tells me we well, are Which is years the chicken away. and which is the egg? Like what comes before? Is it, it's the app integration first that necessitates then the hardware support for it. Because you can use, they'll, they'll say use the trackpad for now. But we've known for a long time they want to move to their own chips. I feel like that's when the total hardware replace is coming that that should support iOS when they make that switch to their own own chips. That's when it's sort of natural for them to integrate, I, I would know. think. What they're doing now is they're enabling easy porting from one to the other. And they're encouraging developers to rethink the way that the interface works so that it's all touchpad you know, compatible, I'm sure. But it's, uh, it's So you're still making two discrete programs, two exactly. discrete apps, except if you start on iOS because you have the massive user base, it's now relatively easy easier to make a Mac OS version of that now that supports cursor support. Yeah, um, I guess and, they're and windowed. Some of the same frameworks that they've brought over to Mac OS. Um, I so, mean, so Google, they, they did it themselves with what three apps? Yeah, their docs and uh, uh, news. is it Apple News and also the voice yeah. recordings, voice memos, which work as widgets. Like those kind of those full screen on iOS on on a phone work great as widgets on a desktop because they're, you're receiving information from them. Uh, I will say that on a touchscreen on a Windows PC, the calculator app is infinitely easier to use for me with a touchscreen mm -hmm. than it is with a cursor or even a keypad. Yeah. Because I can just touch the screen. Really? Yeah. That's your app that you're talking about touchscreen makes well, a big, big difference? Big for buttons. It? I can see big the buttons. big buttons. Yeah. Every, and I say this all the time, but every 10 year old and under thinks the MacBooks are broken because they reach out and they touch that screen and it doesn't do anything. Don't get me wrong. I, I think touchscreen is important, but I would think it's for, you know, moving windows, dragging, resizing, pinch to zoom, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Calculator's low on my list. <laughs> um, should we talk about the Steam Link thing really quickly because it does tie into the desktop oh, really briefly? Okay. So I, I think we, you guys talked about a couple weeks ago how Steam Link got kicked out of the App Store after being... It never got in, in the App Store. I thought it was approved. No, nope. it, it, it was approved to be released, and then prior to release, it got uh, rescinded. Okay. Well, when that happened... Uh, there's a big hullabaloo about this, and it's all about Apple's whole thing about you can only sell things through the App Store. They don't support yeah. links to other App Stores. So there, there's a change in ruling about that for Steam Link because 
what Steam Link's going to do is essentially allow you to now make a purchase from that store through your desktop and have that be streamed through it to your yeah. mobile device. Yeah, they, they revised the App Store rules so that stores can exist as long as the apps that are bought on the store don't run on the phone. Mm -hmm. So that's that's good new language, and hopefully it'll lead the way to a Steam Link release in the near future. On iOS, you already have it, my friend. You can get it on Android. Oh, I know I have it. Long I ago. have it on my phone. Have you used it? No, I haven't. That's the other thing. Like it, it, On the phone, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. On the tablet, maybe... Um, and then it still takes it occupies your desktop. Right. For me, I just don't have good controls for mobile games for mm -hmm. my Bluetooth other controllers. Devices. Yeah, but I don't. I don't have a good controller for right. that. And at that point, if you want to, if you're playing PC games, you you want to play with a keyboard and mouse. Like that's that's why you're playing the PC version of that game. Uh, okay. Other Mac uh, Mac OS Mojave updates. You I want to talk I about. Don't think I, no. I mean, you don't care about dark mode. I don't care about dark mode. Really? Do you care about dark mode? Yeah. Why? No. Did you hear the, especially from a programming standpoint, did you hear the cheers when they showed uh, Xcode in dark mode? I think it makes a big difference for developers. They yeah. like dark mode. Yeah, because you're staring at that screen all the yeah. time. Yeah, and I realize that's the target audience for w WDC, then, but it but still also, like doesn't make a huge difference to uh, people. I, I love it. Like browsing photos, they just pop off. I prefer dark background everywhere. So I, I was a fan. I think that's a good feature. Uh, your desktop will be better organized. Many people I know who have Mac OS have really, and even Windows, um, have have very cluttered desktops, and now the Finder will automatically sort and organize in, uh, to stacks. stacks. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's almost like folders, but yeah. it's not because you, they're all accessible immediately, everything right. inside of them. Right, right. It's, a, it's just another version, a visual representation of a folder. Right, well, sort of. Um, and... Uh, Screenshots has now a, a user interface. Previously, Apple Command 3 or 4 lets you grab screenshots. One of the best features, I think, of Mac OS. Except every time I go to take a screenshot, I have to Google how to do it. Apple it, Command 3 or Apple Command 4. Yes, yeah. 3 is full screen, 4 is drag. I don't log that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Keyboard shortcuts don't stick in your mind? Not that. Not muscle those. memory. It's not all those. muscle memory. Um, but now you can record video, which is interesting. Yeah. Oh, you can. I mean, QuickTime has always let you record video. So it's just that feature in QuickTime. Where you drag a box and you record a video, yeah, and and it it's just now surfacing that and integrating that into Mac OS. So I don't, uh, I mean, yes, I like that there's a, a user interface for that. Um, do, 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 Did they? Uh, they it, didn't make a big deal about how Mojave is going to affect battery life, which is usually what we hear about their hmm. their Mac OS updates. Like it's going to improve battery function by X percent, hmm. but I don't feel like we heard that this time. I didn't miss it, right? I did not hear any battery life improvements, and and I think that's going to be with the new, uh, the new. That's really hardware. the chipset that's going to yeah. come into play. But usually yeah. they make the big deal of it when the OS has come out. Maybe too. it doesn't. Maybe they've just maxed and stretched out the battery life. Uh, it's the last version of macOS that will support 32-bit applications, and the new version of Xcode will not even let you compile to 32-bit. Okay, so. I mean, it just means like if you have some really old apps on your phone Which that are open source, on your, on your, or, or on your on your computer, where if you there are many places where you, like there are old apps that were great that don't get updated anymore, you won't be able to run them uh, post Mojave. So that's something to know. Uh, and and then one final feature that leads us right into iOS is it will now have group FaceTime as well. Group FaceTime. So this seems to be a big flagship feature for the new version of iOS. Agree? Disagree? <laughs> no? What say you, panel? 
how many people can FaceTime in this new group FaceTime? Is it 16? It's an enormous number of people. Yeah. Small little windows for everyone. Well, you get four up top, and whoever's speaking gets bigger. And then you have this row at the bottom with everybody else. And if they start to talk, then they go up to the main stage and get big. Uh, I don't. It's it's that kind of dynamic shifting. Yeah. Is that an animation or is that just instantaneous? On Skype, it's instantaneous. Or, uh, or, or Google Hangouts, Google it's Hangouts, yeah. instantaneous. Where we right. have a row of thumbnails in the bottom. Yeah. Um, which may not work that great sometimes because someone may just interject and suddenly you the microphone picks it up and yeah. it swaps real quick. Google does an interesting thing where everyone is low res streaming and then if you go big, it switches oh. to a high def stream. Okay. Um, I, and so you're, it's always live. It's just a, the quality difference. That, and they can do that in real time is very it nice. It looked to me like the FaceTime was all high res, but maybe that was just smoke and mirrors for the demonstration. That's got to be smoke and mirrors. The yeah. screenshots. They're going to hit some bandwidth limitations. The screenshots have these tiling of icons. Like I wonder is that kind like of floating. Con constantly shifting and floating? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wonder if the uh, desktop looks a little different. Maybe there's more floating windows and fewer on the bottom. You're off by a factor of two, by the way. It was 32 what people maximum? That's nuts. I don't know thirty few people well, who have I mean, <laughs> FaceTime. I don't. I've never wanted to have a conversation with thirty two people once. This is day one testing. We'll have to do this. Maybe you out there, if you have a FaceTime call, we'll we'll just set up some system and have thirty two of us in a chat room together. This is FaceTime entering conference call world. Yeah, right? like yeah, absolutely, especially on the Mac with, side. Competing with Zoom, competing with Google Hangouts, and Google Hangouts has kind of degraded in terms of the this feature set. I always feel like I'm struggling with that to achieve good-looking video out on the other side. I think this is a natural thing to do, and especially with the rise of products like Zoom, this is an easy place for Apple to integrate all of the hardware and feature set is there. It's one that users tend to hate. Everyone, mm. No one really likes their conference calling app because everyone hates being on those conference calls. Right. So I'm, I'm really curious what this looks like but integration across ios to mac os should make this really functionally powerful for businesses yeah right now you can still facetime one-to-one -one, um, from phone to, to laptop uh, i don't use that often but having being able to do phone to phone and then someone on a laptop or, or, or desktop uh, i think that's well the that's point is the useful. point is it's agnostic so it doesn't it doesn't matter what you're it's using. just your apple id you answer on the device you want because they're all ringing yeah right <laughs> right right um I thought that the Memoji integration into FaceTime conferences was kind of interesting. So this is the other big feature with we, with the uh, with the last version of iOS uh, and of, of course the iPhone 10 and its uh, front-facing uh, IR blaster and camera. Uh, they had animojis, which were uh, face-tracked animated emojis. Only works with the iPhone 10. Only works with the iPhone 10, correct? Uh, now they're improving the face tracking information or refining it and letting you design your own animoji. I think they've just added tongue detection. That right? Tongue detection, yes. <laughs> Is this a phrase that we're uttering on this podcast, tongue yeah. detection? Mm -hmm. and, well, the, that's their big example. You t tongue out, you, you, could, uh, you could do Kiss, you could be Gene Simmons, mm -hmm. and you can design your own avatar. Can the listeners hear how hard of an eye roll that I'm doing Whoa. during this, yeah. this segment? That's well, Samsung had something similar in their um, yeah, in, it was in, terrible. In, in S9 in that they created, used the face facial recognition and the face mapping to create a geometric form, right? Like a, a polygon. This looks more like an emoji in that it's seamless. You don't see 
the yes. edges. It is way better than the, the Samsung one, which was creepy AF. And this is le- much less so. When's honestly, when's the last time you used an Animoji? Both of you. The first the week the phone came out. If I had a child, maybe. Yeah, yeah the kids like the Animojis, but what's I just think what's more interesting is where this <clears throat> is headed because okay. <clears throat> with AR. Once we get there, whenever Apple releases that AR headset, and I, you know, we we hope and that it's under production, and we're going to see it next five years sometime. Um, what are you going to look like to other people? And because I doubt you're going to get like true face facial scanning, but it, it's possible that they could do eye tracking and maybe some mouth tracking. And that now we're seeing, well, possibly this is the tool that we'll be using in that stage. This is what our avatars will look like in the augmented reality world that uh, metaverse that Apple people love Bitmoji which was an avatar-created caricature version of yourself, and they create stickers, essentially. Um, This, so the creation of the Memoji, of your custom Animoji, is that automatically generated? Is it NBA 2K? It's it's not, right? There's not somebody that looks at you and says, let me do a good approximation. You still are avatar creating. People love the avatar creation process. If video games have taught us anything, people would rather spend hours perfecting their narcissistic version of their digital self. Mies proved this. And there's a lot of options. You think Apple's getting in the skin game? Hats. Hats game. No, they're going to just double profit. There $2 you trillion. Go. Dollars. You, 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 want, you want to be a cockatoo? You got to pay extra. You want to be a unicorn? You got to pay extra. I got to say, I was a little surprised by the number of options that are in there because in some sense, it goes contrary to the Apple philosophy of limited choices. You know, give give the user two colors of iPhone to choose from. They did that with the. I mean, Steve yeah, Jobs emojis in general have gone Steve from been gone for a long have gone time. from simplistic to to deep. Right, you started off with, and and people complain. I think the feedback was, "Wow, my emoji can only do white skin, yellow skin tone, right. and then you can change it." Yep. And now, increasingly, with the power of the, they want to sell that face recognition. Mm-hmm. First of all, they want to sell the new iPhones with the face recognition, this is, could be a killer app. I mean, what it, what's interesting to me is that when you're talking about how this is integrated into a group chat, this really is the sci-fi future where people are represented however they want to be represented, right? If you want to be represented by a video of your face, that's the default, fine. But that uh, a conversation between three people who are just a video of their face and then one person who's as a furry and one person who's their... Uh, their their animated self who may not look like their their real self. Mm. That's the kind of like weird second life future that science fiction has been foretelling and this is becoming real. Yes. Right? Like yes. your identity is your own. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's Snapchat, it's one of their big killer apps is the face recognition and and you know making your eyes bigger or adding AR style add-ons, track things. Logitech had these with their webcams five, ten years ago. For sure. But you're talking about those platforms that you're talking about are video first. And right now, this is still tied to iMessage. And as long as it's embedded in no, iMessage... No, it's FaceTime. That's what, I, that's what we brought it up. It's, it's, yeah, it's a part of I the FaceTime conferences. I, I, I get that. Oh. But until they like kind of overcome that hurdle of people using FaceTime more regularly for communication than iMessage, which is where this whole thing oh, started. Oh, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. Yeah, that's well, where I think I, is the hurdle for this. this. I think this is their sleeper move into the the space that Facebook has owned for so long. 
is iMessage, and that's why Facebook pushes Messenger for so much, is iMessage is the social network, is the sleeper social network. As iMessage becomes more robust, it becomes more than just a messaging platform. Mm -hmm. It becomes Instagram. It becomes Apple's version of Facebook. Mm. Where people, that's how people connect with each other. Yeah. And I think the, the, these animojis and these memojis are a big step toward that. Um, we'll all create our own. Kishore, even nope. if you don't have an iPhone, we'll make you create your own. You know, okay, everyone fine. in that demo um, who was doing great group FaceTime switched yeah. over to, to memoji. Yeah. Some of those people were not on iOS devices, right? They were using desktops because they were in their offices. Sure. And there yeah. were pictures behind them. So how do you get the face tracking? That's oh, question. interesting question. So this foretells Face ID on MacBooks and iMacs. And maybe we did see a new product. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> well, speaking of Face ID, what I would say is probably the number one requested feature for iPhone 10 users, aside from bringing back the buttons or the headphone jack, is multiple logins. And finally, Face ID will allow you to have two logins, you and your significant other. Can... Oh, I thought it was going to be Norm long hair and Norm short hair. That's like, I, that's what they're selling it as. It's yeah. two appearances. It's going to be two two separate people. Yeah, yeah. You're finally going to be able to let your spouse unlock your phone. Why with that. only two? Is it limited think, memory? No, no. I don't think it's that. You can make the case for that, and they would solve that. I think it's the more users, the more chance of overlap and false positives. Oh right. Yep. Maybe at this point, but I figure this is going to improve pretty rapidly. Like I bet they've they've run through, and, and no, they haven't. Because they don't, none of that Face ID data gets sent back to Apple, so they haven't run accuracy on their on on neural networks to improve that. It just runs locally. So yeah. this is something that they have, they basically have to upgrade their their recognition engine, and over time improve the recognition between you and your your second person. So I had to jump out of the keynote at this point. Are they uh, multiple Face IDs to unlock? But you can't tie those to different profiles. At this point, like there are no separate profiles. Yeah, there's so, never been. There's yeah, I know there are, except for schools. It. Schools get them. Yeah, so that's what I was wondering because if this like why sell like, one iPhone with two users, then when you can sell yeah. two iPhones to uh, two users, exactly. Uh, we're gonna run through uh, some other things uh, relatively quickly. Oh, let's go to sorry, uh, uh, TV OS. Oh no, we get don't we have a couple like All minor right, what, iOS things? What, what are the other <laughs> iOS updates? I love the security code autofill. It's a very minor thing, but uh, everyone that has two-factor that gets a text message with mm -hmm. a code to plug into a website, smart. now it auto-fills. Great. That, I think makes that's so much sense. Real streamlining. I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, the, I mean, we didn't talk about Siri at all. I mean, they're, Dude, they're we, trying to shortcut uh, the shortcut app for well, Siri. Let's, I mean, let's, let's talk about this one thing. The, the security auto-fill. Oh, okay. To clarify, if you have a two-factor authentication for something like Dropbox mm -hmm. or Facebook or something, yep. and you sign in on your phone, a new phone, this happens mostly when you're on a new phone or when, when you've been logged out for a while, um, it will send you a text message or offer you to call, and you in iOS, it pops up, and then you copy that seven-digit code into a field. Uh, the ideal scenario would be to issue text messaging at all, where the form... The, the two-factor form will recognize that you're on an iPhone and tie and you have your security key because it's your phone number and just it should just work. You should never have to see that field. So this is still a bootstrap solution to two-factor authentication. Yeah. Which but, I, but a lot of companies use it, a lot of sites to, use Totally, it. totally. So I, think I, think, I think the more Apple thing to do 
would be to build in have an API where when you are signing on two-factor, it recognizes, as opposed to saying, send me a code to my phone, it should know that you're on your phone, and then that should be the second factor Kind of like what they're, they announced for a cable subscription. Exactly. Zero exactly. This is why I wanted to use that as the tie-in yep. to watch uh, to tvOS. Oh. But anyway, we're, we have a few more things on, on Mac Dude, or on you iOS. you skipped the biggest thing, which is the series shortcuts. Yeah. Uh, didn't you think that was cool? I, I thought it was mostly cool I mean, because it represents a pretty big advance in series underlying technology. Oh, really? See, I don't think so. I feel like this is... Well, maybe series that bad that it's... Yeah, it's, I don't feel like... like What I want to see is just more robust recognition, chaining of, of queries. So that kind describe, of thing. describe yeah. how, how this works. The Shortcuts app is more of like... It's a user-friendly batch program, you know, design it's, tool. It's if this then that locally it on is. your phone. It's exactly that. That's that's an excellent description. The new version of this this and that, which allows for more robust execution. So it's uh, it's a way to assign an activation phrase to a series of actions. So mm -hmm. I, I could say. So there's a separate app you the, open exactly a new and app. you and you create your your batch. You program in. Open Spotify, specific phrase message. So the the cool you know, demo that they gave was um, headed home. So if I say headed home, and by the way, you don't have to say "Hey Siri" anymore to your watch. You can just say because you've raised your your hand to your wrist. Sure. You say headed home, and and Siri responds, "I've sent a message to John, mm -hmm. uh, you, telling them you will be home in 17 minutes. Uh, I've set the thermostat to 70 degrees and turned your fan on. Here, I will turn on KQED for you, and here's the map um, to, with the, yeah. the, so, the route home. Right, right. What? That's awesome. That is Jarvis, but not artificial intelligence. That is just Jarvis prescripted. Prescripted. But I'll take it. Yep. I, the recipes that people will come up for this, uh, I feel like there should be a community of people who develop or who come up with the smart... The, the logical batches of commands. Totally agree. That's why if this then that was so successful is that you didn't have to start from square zero. Yeah, people could share. Right, right. But what's cool is that these, I was worried that they would just be a series of uh, hard-coded actions, like send a text message that is always this message. Um, but what they've done is they've, they've allowed you to get variables such as travel time and use that variable that is interesting. in other actions. So it's pulling from their data, assuming you have to use their maps, like when you sure. are 30 minutes from home or 10 miles from home, that's a variable that Apple Maps will feed back into Siri, and then things will activate. And if you look at her script, one of those actions is get travel time. So she stores that variable, and then yeah. she can reuse it later in a text message or elsewhere. This is why it needs crowdsourced Batches, yeah, because um, they're going to come up over time, iterating the most optimal and, and the, the most useful shortcuts. Uh, okay, uh, a couple other things: USB restricted mode. Now, a lot of people are worried that um, that uh, about your phones being hacked, especially with the passcode. Even if you have a six-digit passcode, people can sometimes plug in a USB cable and run a program to yep. unlock. Now you can cap that to what is it? An hour? One hour? One hour? So that maybe solves the problem. And this is. Peace of mind thing. Yeah, it's not going to affect most people. A slight pain for people that um, charge their phone over mm -hmm. USB. Yep. What? Uh, no. Like it'll... when you're connected to a Mac OS by USB, if you like charge from your laptop. Wouldn't it always charge? Like the charging isn't the data. No, no. Any but data then, transfer. Like, if you, um, I know there's some people that just want it to stay unlocked when it's oh. 
uh, connected to their device because it's connected to my device. I'm okay. here. Well, they'll disable it then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about screen time? I think this is interesting yeah, because yeah. it's influenced largely from the Suddenly go- they care about screen time. Google and right. Apple all of a sudden now care you, you about you do wonder. Well, Google just did this a month ago. Exactly. It's Apple didn't cram this into a month. They must have had this planned already. But it's it's an interesting idea. I think it's more interesting from a parental standpoint for the parental controls that are now enabled so that you can the the first initial pitch is you can see a weekly rundown of all of your app usage and what what are you mostly picking up your phone to engage with and what are you spending the most time in and then you can limit yourself uh, to an hour of Instagram you know a day if if you're that much of an addict and uh, once you hit that hour it will notify you and make it harder to launch that app um, but you can also hard control other people's phones under family sharing. So if you want your kids to only be able to use YouTube for two hours, you set that, and then they can't get in anymore. I'm a, I am love that. I love power. No, I mean, this is, a, this is a departure from the Jobsian days where the phone did everything for you. You didn't have to think about this. This is much more granular control yeah. in an Android-like way, and I totally enjoy it. I think having that kind of control... Uh, gives you uh, more agency with your phone. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of research to back up that you will be happier having these kinds of controls. I'll be very phone. curious to see how, where I, I want to defy that research. I want to be the outlier. You defy all <laughs> forms of research. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, I thought this was an interesting feature. Uh, it's an accessibility feature that now is being serviced for everyone. Um, but live listen, and this is again a tie-in with the AirPods, which I think are unanimously agreed to be the one of the best Apple products in recent memory. They're actually tied in with any made-for-iPhone headphone. Mm, very cool. Uh, so if you have a made-for-iPhone headphone, you can use the microphone, the directional microphone on your phone as a, a microphone. Uh, so if you're having a conversation with someone, you could point your phone at them like a microphone, and you would hear it directly in your AirPods, directly live streaming. I love right it. There. Mm-hmm. With very low latency, uh, lets you use your phone for spy movies. They're very careful not to advertise this as a hearing aid, mm-hmm. though right. it, it's sort of that hearing augmentation. And uh, I'd actually be really interested to hear what Adam thinks about this feature because you know he's been pretty forthright about um, uh, struggling to hear out of one ear versus the other. This seems like built for someone like him. Mm-hmm. It's the audio equivalent of someone who's dropped their glasses and holds their phone up to their face as a visual aid because they can uh, they're short-sighted what i have never seen anyone do that oh, before. Okay. okay right yeah, so yeah. if you if you drop your glasses and you're short-sighted and you can't see things far away you'd hold your phone up to your face close yeah. to, closer to your face not like right up to your face to see the, the image on your phone and the camera is wide angle and so you can see things far away who does that? It has happened many times. People have told me many times. It's I really? heard, heard about that's, that. Yeah. That's actually pretty ingenious. It's, it, and this is the, the audio equivalent of that. We skipped the, their lead feature of iOS 12, which is uh, better performance. On the, on the older phones, on iPhone 6s in particular, you're supposed to be able to get you know 40 to 70% better performance. The reason I didn't bring that up is like that is a giant we'll see. Yeah, well, it does. Yeah, because it's going to depend on the app and usage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other things from iOS iOS 12, the developer beta, developer beta will be out uh, or is out. Yep. and uh, They again, usually follow up with a public beta. And uh, this will be built into whatever new iPhone comes out in the fall. Uh, finally, um, tvOS. And we alluded to earlier, uh, the big feature we think is that it will have 
uh, zero sign in for the code. Um, and this is basically Apple conceding. Well, that's not for every provider. Like it, they're rolling it out with some provider I've never heard of. Mm. Charter, right? Oh, is that who it is? Yeah. Okay, I guess I don't know about them because they don't have it. Regionally, service yeah. here. Uh, but everyone who it, it, I, it, anyone who has a Comcast account, who has a, a Time Warner account, uh, who wants to watch Showtime or even Fox on the Fox app, or the local app on their Apple TV, has to go to the slash activate website and type in the code and, yep. and Roku's have done this and it's a very standard accepted thing and now it's once you're logged in one time and you're tied tied your cable account your your subscription account to your Apple ID it will automatically integrate that this is in the back end this is how it should always have worked and I think it's Apple conceding that they will never have their iTunes for TV like the cable networks have wised up and they are not going to give Apple the same amount of control over content as the the music studios did, you know, uh, ten years ago. One thing they years ago. didn't show, which I is actually a really great utilization of my Google Home with my YouTube TV, is Siri control of the live TV. Does that work? They didn't talk about it. Like, can you go, you know, Siri fast forward two minutes when you're watching TV? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't. I don't think about TV only for for movies. Yeah, and usually it's restricted by the provider yeah. because they don't want that. You know, that right, hurts right. their bottom line. Uh, but it is like an awesome feature in Google Home, and it seems like it would be a natural place for them to go since they're pushing Siri integration. Yeah, I know you cats don't use CarPlay, but I, as a CarPlay user, I'm excited to see third-party navigation apps. Blessed for use on that. Uh, being able to use Google Maps on that is going to be huge. I mean, this is that was purely just Google Maps, right? There, Waze. Oh, Waze. Yeah. Okay. But the point is, you know, the other apps yeah. can be approved. Uh, and then uh, other big update for people who have uh, Apple TVs is the Apple TV 4K will also support the streaming version of Dolby Atmos, higher bit rate, better sound, uh, and that will, it's not out now, but uh, anyone who's bought a movie on iTunes will get the automatic upgrade to the sound upgraded if they have a supported speaker. I'd like to do an AB with Atmos and see, really, come on. Is it? You actually need to do an ABC because you need to do the standard <laughs> 5.1. Yeah. You need to do the streaming Atmos uh-huh. and then you do disc-based Atmos. Fine. Let's do an ABC because I want to tell if I can even tell the difference between A and C. You need to have the proper sound setup. Yeah, obviously. We'll do a test. But a nice sound setup sounds good on 5.1. Yes. We will do a test. Great. I love testing. <laughs> Always be testing. Always be testing. Um, teasing uh, something we'll talk about later in the episode. Um, is that it from WWDC? Yeah, we can talk about the AR stuff in, uh, in VR, yes. VR Minute. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's get to tech news. What? I forgot we had this whole other segment. Oh. Not a ton of pop culture news, first of all. I, I will say, you guys were a little more generous with Solo than I I have been. Oh, yeah? yeah. Uh, we didn't get you on the we, podcast We didn't last spend week. a third week talking about Solo. Yeah, yeah. Show. No, 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 let's not. Yeah. But you're a little more generous. You didn't. Me. You didn't. You weren't. You weren't a fan. My uh, what did you, what did you call it? Your budget. Your forgiveness budget. Yeah, my forgiveness budget. How's, how fast my, was it? Spent? Mine was overflowing. Oh, you yeah. ran out of money. I ran out so fast. Did you like Han speaking Chewbacca language? No. Okay. You will. You will hammer that point in. Did not. There care will for be. It. There will be a, a Williams cut. 
of that where he doesn't speak he'll just dub in him, him i'm surprised you guys didn't hate on um l3 more it was I'd, i loved l3 you know oh uh, i think i'm spoiled by k2so people are talking about how l3 was underutilized. like it could have been a much better usage of that of that character i i think k2so set like a kind of standard for me of what I expect out of the, the so robot cast, friend. The sassy robot it's friend? so easier. It, like, K2SO is an easier character to sell. Oh, well, because K2SO Alan has Tudyk is going to break into this room right now and be like, <laughs> let me tell you how hard it was. Play K2SO. Mm, so mm. you're not going to buy the Blu-ray? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. I, I'm going to probably watch it again in theaters. Yeah, I'm going to see it twice. Anyway, moving on from Solo, because we're not going to do a third week of Solo. Uh Lego movie or trailers. A bunch of trailers dropped this week. Lego movie, the second part. Mm-hmm. Trailers out. Yeah. Uh, looks great. It does. Um, the, all the humor is still there. Chris Pratt, Elizabeth Banks, uh, new characters, new villain. Uh, starts off in this post-apocalyptic Lego world. It doesn't take itself too seriously. The writers, the directors of the first film, writer slash directors, uh, Chris Miller, Phil Lord, are writing this one, although they're not directing this one. And it really falls into how the first movie ended with a new, a, a second player oh, see, entered I, the arena. I get the song from the first movie, it like remained in the pop culture oeuvre forever. Yeah. Let's see if they have it in them again. Didn't they remix it like in the trailer? I thought I heard a little bit of everything is awesome in the beginning. No, there is a, another, it's written on like the, his iPhone. Yeah, he chooses a different chooses song. He chooses a second yeah, yeah. song. Huh. Can't wait for that. Uh, yeah, it's got a yeah the space character Lego. Uh, yeah, it, I think it's going to be the, the sister, right? That's what the, the idea oh, okay. is. Okay, but that's right. not an existing Lego character, right? It's I all don't new. think so. Cool. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting is there's also a Wreck-It Ralph uh, breaks the internet trailer. It's not on our list here, which is also excellent. If you guys haven't seen that, that's good. That's and, a second trailer, right? Uh, yeah, and both Lego and that they both have a similar sequence mm. of um, of women getting like seeing that they should have gotten more credit in the yeah. first film than they did and right. acknowledging that in right. a real postmodern kind of way. I, I thought it was, I loved both of those scenes. Rick Ralph, is a, he's an oaf. Chris, Chris Pratt is an oaf yeah. in these films. Yeah. Uh, there's also Lego Batman. Also, Brolinette's re- returning to play Lego Batman in this film. Can't wait for that. Um, no, don't know about Lego Joker, but there will be potentially a, Live action Joker film reports are that Jared Leto is talking to WB about starring and producing a Joker movie. Yay, nay, don't care. I Super ne- duper nay. I, I never saw the, the Justice thing. The uh, oh, good. Suicide Squad. Good. Yeah, that's S- the one. Save yourself. All right. All right. No one cares for that. Did you watch the Bumblebee trailer? I did see the Bumblebee trailer. What do you mean? Like Transformers Bumblebee? Transformers. Yeah. This is the expanded Transformers universe. They're doing their solo. A, it's a tra- prequel. A, a Transformers story. This is a prequel set in 1987, I believe. And this, so it's... Uh, Tell perhaps, me he's a Volkswagen Beetle. He is a Volkswagen Beetle. Yes! Well, it looks like the whole movie, a Volkswagen Beetle. This is how he ends up in the junkyard where Shia LaBeouf finds him in the first film. Really? Yeah. Live action? Live action. No kidding. It's Haley Stanfield as the girl who finds him. She has tape cassettes. It's how he learns to speak using tape and radio and tape cassettes. Mm. And uh, it looks like Starscream's in there. Legit Starscream as a, as a uh, 80s era fighter jet. Really? Yeah. All right. They're taking it back. Yeah. It's directed by Travis Knight, who directed Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, oh. one of the uh, founders of Leica. So his big uh, foray into live action uh, film. You know, I never, I didn't watch the the last night, the the last Transformers movie. But I haven't this, la- this watched one, the last 
four <laughs> Transformer movies. Uh, people are saying that there are some comparisons in this trailer between this and Shape of Water, which I don't I don't see the comparisons. There's one shot. Oh, because she falls underwater. in love with Bumblebee. It's it's a it's like please a, no. Yeah, it's it's a different kind of love. Wait, what is Bumblebee doing in the water? I don't know. I don't know. It's teased. It's in the trailer. Jer- Jeremy's gonna watch the trailer while we while we move there on. There is to one our other. Next there things. was one great trailer we haven't talked about. Mortal Engines. No, no, I didn't see that trailer. It's been out for a while. I don't know why that's so. There's a new one. There's a new trailer. New more ones. It was. It's the Into the Spider Verse. Miles Morales. Oh, that was today. Yes. This is a. I saw the trailer in theaters. Uh, It was. It's an animated film, and it's the intersection of Peter Parker and Miles Morales, who is the Ultimate Spider-Man, the second Spider-Man, who is now collapsed into the singular. Spider-Man universe and well beloved by fans. Yes, Miles Morales. Yes, yeah. And the the animation style is is pretty unique. Fantastic. And it's really uh, gorgeous looking. Uh, this seems like it's going to be uh, a little bit sort of more youthful than uh, some of the former Spider-Man uh, movies. It's certainly more fun than mm. the Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Um, uh, series so amazing I, i'm pretty excited about that animated thing i did watch by the way the dc animated movie has a new suicide squad movie that came out a couple weeks ago it is fantastic oh really oh it this is, is the one that good. jeremy should watch then <laughs> all right this is after their batman ninja uh yes this is um uh this one is in continuity with some of uh, with throne of atlantis and uh some of the other um uh, movies that have come out as well. So wait, just back to the Spider-Man thing for a second. I, I, I was expecting you guys to explain this to me. So is this not connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? This is an animated film. I, I understand yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I watched the trailer. And it's yeah. amazing. I've never seen animation quite like this. It's not connected at all. It's no. in the Sony. They have the rights to Spider-Man. They are doing this as a more like the DC animated films, hmm. except putting it in the theaters. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was surprised that this was getting a theatrical release, but it looks great. I'm really excited about that. I wonder what the budget is on something like that. It's got to be high. Um, also, want to give a shout out uh, to the series, the toys that toys that made us. Dude, I'm loving the series. Uh, so good. This is uh, season two, uh, which is Star Trek, Transformers, Transformers, Hello Kitty, and Lego. Yeah, uh, I have watched three of them. I'm saving Transformers for last. Ooh, Ooh that's where I started because it's the high bar. Um, I thought the Hello Kitty one was the one I would be least interested in, and it was a revelation. That's how I felt about Barbie. And I learned so much. Maybe the the more distance you are from <laughs> yeah. the 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 uh, the t- subject matter, yeah. the more you can learn from it, mm-hmm. and you can gloss over any of the omissions because they're trying to tell a a history of a toy in forty three minutes. Um, the Lego one, the one that I thought I would be the most critical of, loved it. I thought it was comprehensive. It was it was lots of insightful interviews and great access. Secretly, my favorite part of these things is watching the old commercials that they embed yeah. for the products. They can only get the low-res version, so they always put it on a TV that's within a TV. <laughs> it's like right, as small right, as possible. Right. Yeah. Uh, you guys both saw the Transformers one? Uh, no, I actually have just finished season one in oh. preparation for season two. Ooh. But I'm watching it with my son, and we both are hysterically laughing at them. We love them. Uh, Transformers is good. I actually think the Kenner one from season one was better. That was the high bar. It was very, but Kenner, it's it's everyone knows the story. Right? Everyone knows about the Bubba Fett. Not, and that, that didn't know everybody. No, everyone in this room. Yes. Knows it. <laughs> 
I'm curious if you're going to learn new things about the history of Transformers. That is the I did and the engineering of Transformers. If for me, I know it's not going to be long enough for me because I've always wanted a feature-length documentary on Transformers. I want to know how they designed those toys with pen and paper. What's super surprising about this, and I'm not really spoiling much, is you forget how short of a time period Transformers started and flamed out. Yeah, it's the same with Star Trek too. You know, Star Trek original series wasn't on the air for very long. And it wasn't really in reruns and syndication. But we associate those Transformers toys as being fully generational, like being around forever. And they may have been. Our childhood was only around for a fleeting moment. Yeah, but I mean, Time they, dilation. they went from the cartoon to that awful movie. Awful, mm-hmm. awful great. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, in like two years. Yeah. You got the power. That that was so interesting. The He Man thing about how like they did like that was a marketing project that that He Man rose out of research into children and what do boys want? They want power. They want power. Let's make the tagline. I have the power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I loved it. Yeah, uh, I think that does it for pop culture news. Uh, we're we're really running long. Let's let's run through some other tech news. <laughs> Microsoft not resting on its laurels after buying LinkedIn, after buying Minecraft. They have now purchased something for developers, developers, developers. <laughs> Microsoft has acquired GitHub. Oh, wow. Do you need help uploading your code to the site? I'm just doing my Clippy impersonation. Is that Clippy? No, I saw it. $7 billion? That's Seven and a half billion. Oh, my God. It's, it, it's, now, they bought LinkedIn by comparison. They bought LinkedIn for $26 billion. So... That was also probably access to developers. GitHub, a place where developers converge to to upload their code and share code and collaborate on projects. What's the return on for Microsoft here? It can't just be enterprise usage of GitHub and subscription fees. What's well, the so it, subscription fees? They are sustainable on subscription fees. Are it, they already? Yeah. 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 Okay. Sustainable is different than seven billion dollars in profit. Right, but it's getting those users, developers working on projects to use Azure and use their cloud computing services. Mm-hmm. That's where all their money is in. How do they influence developers to use Azure simply by owning GitHub? Ads. Ugh. Promotions. They could have done ads anyway. It just seems odd. Uh, well, it seems odd from, from an economic standpoint, for sure. But from a... What they own in the marketplace now, LinkedIn and GitHub don't really have massive competitors on the horizon right now. That's mm. the place you go. LinkedIn is the is the social network you go when you're looking for a job. Period. Did you? Uh, yeah, I updated my LinkedIn. Yeah, and like, um, and GitHub is like the premier resource yeah. right now. So, like, those places are are secure places for Microsoft to be for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they had a business plan for this. The question <laughs> is whether developers will accept it, and if the changes, if it, even a change in ownership will scare developers away from using it. What, or if it's so What's ingrained. the fear? What's the fear? That, that Microsoft will look at your closed source? Maybe. 
or, or they, they will ruin the user experience. Mm-hmm. But they haven't done that with LinkedIn. I mean, it was already terrible to begin with. You, it, <laughs> right. Right. You, this is something that's beloved. And you wouldn't even know Microsoft owns Minecraft. Like, they've done nothing to that. Well, that's a waste. What a waste of an opportunity. No, so, they're just mining money. That's what, Except that's, the time has passed. They bought Minecraft when it was the Fortnite of that era. And now people, kids are playing Fortnite instead. Well, older kids are playing Fortnite. I think kids are still playing Minecraft at mm. a certain age. Mm. Um, I, I'm curious what Linus Torvalds thinks of this. Because when I, I heard about the news, I immediately searched for that and couldn't find any quotes. But as the creator of Git, obviously he has no stake in GitHub. But as somebody who created this you know, empire, which has now been sold for $7.5 billion, I'm curious what his thoughts are. Uh, all right. Uh, we had a couple uh, bits of other phone news, Android phone news. Uh, one, both, I don't, interesting in their own ways. Uh, Asus has a new phone. It's ROG phone that they announced at Computex. And this, uh, which much like the Razer phone that I checked out a while back, is one of the first ones that has a 90 hertz screen, high frame rate screen, which for my usage of the Razer phone mm-hmm. made for a huge impact on web browsing and just data use. I want a high refresh rate screen on phones. You're seeing them on tablets. They are a huge power draw. And yes, you can have adaptive refresh rates, but I don't know if you can do it on OLEDs. You need them on LCDs, but a high refresh rate screen is something I would love to see. It so, makes everything pop for sure. Totally. User experience is so much better. This runs on a Snapdragon 845. Uh, it has also vapor cooling and... Interestingly, there's an accessory to plug controllers on the left and right sides of it. Bracket your phone with controllers and basically turn it into something that looks like a Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're custom controllers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. And does that ship with the phone? Uh, no. No. You got to buy them. Bad move. I mean, it's also Android, so you got to have the support for it, and the games have to support it. I guess yeah. any game that supports Bluetooth controller, you could use it. You could use it this way. Um, Additionally, uh, Lenovo announced their new phone, and they had hyped up their their phone uh, with these these like viral photos and videos uh, about it being all screen. This is the Z5 uh, with a sketch that looked like edge to edge to edge screen, and the new phone, well, has a notch. Mm-hmm. It looks it looks and it has a chin. It is 2018. Everything has to have a notch. Yeah, that's the rule. Uh, so 90% screen to bezel ratio. So they can get away from it. Um, this one runs on a Snapdragon 636 and um, a 6.2-inch screen and uh, 6 gigs of RAM. The the Asus phone, 8 gigs of RAM, in case that's something that you as Android listeners and users out there care If you're going to game with it, you better uh, have that much RAM. Did we talk about the augmented reality file format that Apple announced? No, we're going to talk about that in VR Minute. Oh, God. Yeah, good, good, good. good, good, good. Uh, OnePlus, OnePlus 6 is already making its way into users' hands. This is also a phone with a notch and a big screen. Uh, it has its own face unlock, but as many people figure it out, putting a face unlock on your front-facing camera yeah. is not an easy task. You can make the software for it. Uh, but phones and, and laptops have had, and Windows Hello has it, but that one also even has an IR blaster for some depth sensing. Uh, this one on the on OnePlus 6, mm-hmm. not very secure. It's made j- purely for convenience because you can fool it with a black and white photo of yourself. Wow. So no, be no warned. One, no one would go through that. Have you trouble. tried that? I have, I have not yet tried it. And you print out a photo and try oh, it. Oh, we got to try See? that. Too yeah. much work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So don't, I mean, it's it's a matter of how you think of your phone's lock screen and your phone's 
uh, lock code right. slash fingerprint sensor? Is it for purely for convenience, or is it actually a security measure? It's I a still fine prefer, line to straddle. I still prefer the fingerprint. Touch ID kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, me too. All right. There's oh uh, one last bit of product news. Sonos just this very morning announced a new soundbar, a four hundred dollar soundbar called the Sonos Beam, mm-hmm. and this one has uh, Alexa built in. It will ship on uh, middle of July, July seventeenth, and this one is uh, like a soundbar meant to live in your living room, um, entertainment center right under your TV, and it has a HDMI port, so you plug it into your TV, and it has. Uh, ARC, which is audio return channel, which means that you can, by over HDMI, you get sound. You don't have to use an optical signal. You can get sound from your TV piped to your sound bar over HDMI. That's, if I'm not mistaken, that's not what ARC means. Like HDMI has basically a digital audio channel. Sorry, but it goes both ways. It, I think ARC is a communication protocol. So it means that you can use the sound bar as a receiver, and you can plug your, your console into hmm. your sound bar, and then it will pipe data and video to your tv hmm. as well okay that's my understanding um, i thought it was um you, know, you could send this, uh, commands like power and volume that's cec <laughs> okay all right to, to turn on via hdmi turn on the yeah. tv huh. yeah um and uh i don't think they have dolby support on this yeah no dolby dolby atmos support uh but 400 bucks it's you know it's competing with Apple's uh, HomePod. And Sonos has typically made pretty good speakers in the past. Is that all the non-car tech news? Are we, are we about to jump into, a, jump into a shower? Are we doing it? Sure. Let's do it. So and cold. so we enter Elon's shower. It's so bitter and cold in here. It just makes me want to pee <laughs> hearing that sound. <laughs> if you were one of the people who pre-ordered slash bought mm-hmm. a boring company flamethrower yep you're in luck because california legislation to restrict distribution of those types of flamethrowing apparatus has not passed and so you will probably get your flamethrower oh i'm going at some point i'm going to surprise people i'm actually in favor of this ruling because the components of the flamethrower are things you can just buy at home depot um, they actually sell a version of this flamethrower. Don't call it a flamethrower. It's not really a flamethrower. It's yeah. basically a propane torch mm-hmm. hooked up with like, you know, a nozzle at yeah. the end. This is not a big deal. If right. they're going to ban it, they had to ban all of them. Yeah, totally. And so I don't love this thing for reasons because somebody's going to do something stupid with it. And it, it, what a dumb promotional stunt to I sell flamethrowers. Uh, I, I, You're jealous. No, I'm not not jealous. Did they throw in I'm a happy free with my flamethrower with the car? No. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I'm so saying, what's the point? No. If only tested could have had a flamethrower uh, promotional event of this success of this level. Wow, that would have been something you'd be proud of. The flamethrowers. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna hit my head against the mic. Uh, we I think last week or maybe two weeks ago talked about Consumer Reports. Consumer Reports reviewed the Tesla Model Three, and both Consumer Reports and Edmonds had de- serious problems with the braking distance. And one of the ways they test the car is they slam on the brakes as it's moving. I think at sixty or seventy miles per hour, and then measure the distance it takes to go to a full stop. And they not only found it to be not 
best in class and not even average in class, but they found the results to be wildly inconsistent, which was a worrisome thing. They couldn't even say it definitively. This is the distance it takes for new tires, even cooled overnight and brake school overnight, to break from 60 to zero. Um, Elon Musk had addressed this in, in a series of tweets and had gotten in touch directly with the Consumer Reports team and said that they would be fixing this with a patch, which is kind of an unheard of thing. And it turns out that patch was issued. So... Consumer Reports updated their review and says now they can give it a thumbs up. They can recommend the car because with a software over-the-air overnight software update, the braking distance was reduced to a respectable 150 uh, feet or so. What did this software update do that changed the braking distance? You associate that with a hardware thing. Exactly, right? right? It's, it's, I think it's about detecting the speed and then the, uh, the patterns in which it taps the brake, right? So it's not like the brake gets activated. Um, or maybe the regenerative braking technology. How how so? There's got to like be a trade off. Exactly. There must be some type of trade off in terms of longevity of the brake, in terms of the user experience. Um, I don't know how they got away with shipping the car with this type of variability in the testing. Um, More to the point about the software update. I I wonder if part of me thinks that that level of change should not be capable, right? that I don't think that a software update maybe should be able to affect your braking distance, that that should be sandboxed from any kind of software update that is locked in. You need to be there with an adapter plugged into their mainframe. Well, you have an electric car, and software updates for you show up. They're, they're very transparent. Like, you, the software update comes, and you say, now I will update my car. Yep. These happen over the air overnight. Oh, you don't even You don't even prove it? No. It really? just pops up the next day. Hey, you got an update. Got Here's the release notes. And that's it. It's not even an option hmm. for you to change that. That's a little bit scary. Uh, the other things that some users, and maybe this is just placebo effect, I have no idea, are reporting that they are feeling less acceleration with their car as well after the software update, that driving experience has been hampered a bit. I don't know. I don't know if that's one of the ways they got the braking to be improved. You need I, some empirical testing. Yeah, people need to do that. some actual actual testing with this. Um, but... These are the weird. This is the weird state we're in, where the product you buy, whether it, for it being a car, mm -hmm. will not have the same experience the day you bought it, and a year from now, six months from now, or two years from now. And the plus side is they were able to flip their review with Consumer Reports in a matter of days. And how many other car manufacturers are looking at that, saying, "Oh my God"? So the question is, did, did they actually start the new software? Uh, development on that after the review came out or was this a known problem no no no. i'm saying like even if it took them a month to make the change they still were able to do it with a software update and change their review like without every, a recall every other car manufacturer would have had to do either a recall or wait a whole product cycle yeah oh yeah. my god i mean that that's huge yeah i mean there's so many things people are realizing now because the manufacturer of these Model 3s are just ramping up uh, at the annual stockholders meeting they said they've finally reached 500 uh, a day for in, in terms of making these cars. Uh, the, if you got one of these cars with a low VIN number, you know, four months ago, five months ago, you will not have some of the features in the new car, the, the comfier seats in the, in the rear seating, um, the adjusted suspension uh, based on feedback from users and based on things like Consumer Reports reviews and Edmund reviews. Um, I actually think, I don't mind that. I think there's, there's like the expectation that all the cars are going to be the same that's the way cars have been done. And so I actually appreciate that they're mending yes. the fly. 
but it's about the scrutiny of the users. There's an entitlement factor that a lot of these owners have felt because it's lot, they're treating it like a phone. They're treating it like a piece of technology, not like a car. Like, you're right. Car manufacturers have done stealth updates and, and improvements, not only annually, but even mid-production cycle for products forever. And the variability in terms of panel lines and stuff like that, it's been standard in cars. But because there's a prestige element, because maybe it's the type of people who are buying these cars now, and because of the weight that they've been weighing so long, and because of the spread of the, the, the forums and just communication between owners, people are more aware of these problems. And they're giving grief to the companies uh, for variability that may be standard across other car manufacturers and the industry as a whole. Yeah, it's two sides of that story. I mean, people are used to the model year. You know, I got a 2017 Bolt. Right, and, right, right. And the 2018 Bolt has a couple changes to it. Right. But they didn't make those until the next year. Like, people either have to get used to this new way of doing business with Tesla. Yeah. Or Tesla will eventually become so, they'll figure things out so well that they will switch to a model year. I don't, I don't think they you will. You don't see that happening? I don't see it. I don't, I don't, I don't see like the model year. I know, yeah. like, because there's no, I, like, I get that's how it's been done. Yeah. But why does it have to be that way? I mean that would especially that, with software that would mean that like Norm got a worse uh, like a worse car that they know how to build better uh, exactly exactly but I, I think it has to do with that customer satisfaction like yeah, you, you, I get that purely yeah. cognitive it's yeah. it's a cognitive dissonance yeah. <laughs> but it's like one of those things where it's owners. like we know how to fix this we're just gonna wait yeah. I like the I idea of, of fixing it, especially if it's software right especially yeah. if it's software. Um, there are some reports, uh, third-party estimates of the number of refunds for people who have put in deposits. Now, I think the what Tesla said was that you know four hundred thousand people pre-ordered their cars. It's been two years since the Model Three was available to put a thousand-dollar deposit in, and by some estimates, about a quarter of those pre-orders have been rescinded, have been refunded. Jeremy, you're one of them. Yes, I sorry, I was thinking about my Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> We're podcasting here. Hello. <laughs> The the new one can charge my iPhone and, the, and the, mine can't. So I'm just. Is this what happens? <laughs> is this what happens when you get an electric car? You just kind of zone out and think about your car a little <laughs> bit more. That's why autopilot's a feature. <laughs> yeah. Um, so about a quarter people. That's a lot of. That's that's potentially a hundred thousand. So times a thousand. What's that? That's a, a hundred million. Hundred million dollars in refunds. Is that right? Is that is, is, that, is that math is that right? Correct math. A hundred thousand people times a thousand dollars is a hundred million yeah. in refunds. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy amount of money. Yeah, but I mean, it didn't come all at once. I'm sure it was done over time. I'm sure a lot of people got out of line pretty early in the process mm. when they got news that it's going to be a couple years. Yeah, because if you needed a car, you know, that year or within six months, right? Then you probably got out of line. Um, I wouldn't be. Uh, I I also think like, what is the normal for this? Is it is this really a problem? I, would I don't as, see it as. A I assume problem. that there were laws that prevented Tesla from actually putting any of this money to work. That, yeah, right. They, it's ha- only they had a, to hold it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. only a problem if they did. It's a perception problem. It, it's right? a perception problem, and also speaks to the disappointment of a lot of people who've been waiting multiple years, and also realize that even you know, that Tesla only rolled out the expensive model, that the idea of a $35,000 Tesla minus uh, rebates with your state and the, and the federal government wasn't a reality, that anyone hoping to put $1,000 in to buy a $35,000 car 
minus $10,000, that's not going to happen. By mid this year, that federal tax is going to get cut in half. Uh, the tax rebate, and you're not going to get $7,500 back. You're going to get $3,750 back. Um, and, and that will run out, even the HOV yeah. lane stickers. I mean, it, it's a general the, – the enticements that the government has put in for people to adopt EVs mm-hmm. and, and hybrids to all degrees has been reduced. As it should be. Because as the, uh, the adoption as, happens. Exactly, exactly. I mean, if this is a, a total perception thing because if we said 300,000 people pre-ordered Model 3, we'd have been like – still like, whoa – that's three hundred million dollars, uh, and if but instead we're saying four hundred thousand pre-ordered it and a hundred thousand of them canceled. It's purely a perception thing. I don't think it makes a big difference. It's still they're still in a situation where they need to ramp up production yep. in order yep. to meet the demand of three hundred thousand. Totally. Let alone the people that want to buy it now. Yeah, absolutely. And at yesterday they had their annual shareholders meeting. A couple nuggets of information came out of that addition to their new production rate, which is about half of where they want to be. They want to be at 6,000 cars per week, and they're at 3,500. Uh, they, they also showed a first sketch of their Model Y, their next car even. So this is supposed to be the what the Tesla 3 is to the S, the Model Y is to the X, the SUV. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so that's got to be years, years away. They also had at the event, which was held at the Computer History Museum, uh, one of their semis, a prototype of one of their, their electric semis. So that's a project that's not going away, although we haven't heard anything about that in a long time. And, and I think that's actually the bigger project. I know we totally. t- talk about the Model 3. I think that's the one that's going to change more things. Well, that's the one that needs autopilot really yeah. to work. Uh, and then the last thing which doesn't need autopilot to work is kind of the opposite of autopilot is their new Roadster. They had a, a mock of their your next gen roadster, uh, which goes zero to sixty in how many how many seconds? L- a little bit, one point nine. Oh, is it seriously less than two? One point nine, and they said that's their base model. Elon said, "Oh, whatever." So it will go even faster. That's stupid. That's the, the amount of acceleration in that is like being in a rocket. I don't ship. see how you get that much traction. Like I can I can understand how the wheels might be able to spin that fast, I but how do you get up to speed? That's crazy. If there's it's enough crazy. weight, I think the math works out with enough batteries. Like, and, and by the way, I've pushed a Model Three. It's a heavy car. As it should be. <laughs> we'll it helps with crashes. Um, they, Elon was asked if they'd ever make a motorcycle. He said no. The reason he said no is uh, interesting. Uh, the question was that oh, it's, he was complimented on his leather jacket. And um, he, t- he told a story of how when he was younger, when he was 17 years old, he loved riding motorcycles. And he was in a near-death motorcycle accident. And so... Since then, no motorcycles. Even though companies like, there are plenty of electric motorcycle companies. Harley-Davidson has a subsidiary that's making one. Uh, the Zero, I want to say, is, yeah. is one. Uh, it doesn't make sense for Tesla because it's not built off their ba- their Their business and scale is their battery. You know is, what? Is the flat battery. It doesn't make sense now. You know, it, it also doesn't make sense because Tesla has a terrific safety record. Right. All of their cars are off-the-scale safe vehicles, and they have great crash test ratings. Motorcycles uh, don't Motorcycles would never have that. Yeah. Wait, did we skip over why Jeremy pushed a Tesla? We're going to get no, back no, to no, what no. we've it's, been testing. It's foreshadowing. It's foreshadowing. Okay. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Uh, last bit of thing that came out um, from this shareholders meeting is, uh, again, a software feature. Now, right now, if you buy a Tesla, 
you have the option of paying $5,000 for EAP, um, Enhanced Autopilot. Not full autopilot, it's an additional $3,000 for that. But if you bought a car, if you bought a Model S and you have the hardware built in, but you don't have autopilot, um, you can pay to upgrade. You can pay that $5,000 to get Enhanced Autopilot. But what if you don't know if it's worth it? Tesla will start rolling out trial periods for autopilot to entice people. The Steam model, a demo period in your car that you bought, they will flip on autopilot as a software and you'll use it for some duration of time or distance. And then if you like it, you can pay to get the update, the software patch. Hmm. So you get like one good free trip in. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, there is also supposed to be doing a massive update to autopilot in a couple, just a couple months. But really? That, like, three to six months time? Yeah. What could that possibly be? They really want to push through the country to country or off ramp, off ramp, uh, changing actual freeways. If you're going from like the 101 to 280, that means stoplight recognition. I don't, that's different though. Right now, we're talking about rain, oh, ramp, ramp I, recognition I see what and, you mean. And, and freeway changing for, for pathfinding right. is different than stop stoplight and stop sign recognition. I thought you meant get off the freeway, find the new entrance. No, from freeway to freeway. like Cloverleaf, exactly. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, again, your experience. If you have one of those cars, well, maybe different. But three to six months is that it's it's the tech, it's the Tesla equivalent of in science saying five to ten years, right? Like it's just so arbitrary, it can be pushed. I mean, back. there are a lot of factors there, and not just the technology, but like legal stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Before we move on to our next segment, I want to thank the other sponsor of this week's episode, and that's Udemy. This is only a test. is brought to you by Udemy, the largest marketplace for online learning. Whether you want to learn something new or just sharpen your skills, Udemy has an extensive library of over sixty-five thousand courses taught by expert instructors. Ever find yourself thinking, "I wish I could do that"? Well, with Udemy, you can. From web development to digital marketing to Japanese cooking courses, Udemy has something for everyone. And while other online learning companies charge hundreds of dollars per class, Udemy courses start at just eleven ninety nine, and each course comes with a thirty day money back guarantee for risk free learning. Students around the world choose Udemy to discover new passions, expand their skills, and even change careers. You can improve your life through learning. Download the Udemy app to learn anytime, anywhere, or visit ude.my/tests today. Again, that's www.ude.my/tests. Moment of science. I've missed this. We've missed it too. Yeah. Usually I only have like a few hours on other podcasts to put out all of my science thing. I missed <laughs> this extra little bit of time. Uh, I will say for those that heard about the New England Journal of Medicine report on Hurricane Maria deaths last week, it's really interesting. Uh, I'll probably put some links in the in the show notes for some breakdowns on how they conducted that study uh, to come up with the the figure because what has been reported in the media media that there's 4,000 deaths from the from the hurricane Maria including the after effects is not quite what the study says they actually give a pretty broad range from about 700 up to eh, potentially around like 7,000 8,000 uh, and uh, how they conducted that study really informs what that no what the final number may end up being and also points to some more interesting structural problems there. So I'll put links to that. But we're going to start with a study that's really for our friend Norm. 
Oh. Norm, you take pictures of a lot of stuff. I do. Right? Uh, do you ever take pictures in like museums or like of art or... I love of, taking pictures of art. Do you feel like taking the picture um, makes you... Makes it a richer experience like in terms of you remembering that thing? 100%. Okay, it doesn't. Science has said for a long time it, it doesn't. It. And so there's been a lot of studies that have pointed to this idea that when you're actually taking a photo of something, you're you're telling your brain, you're offloading the memory uh, in a way that basically prioritizes it lower on the list than if you're sort of taking it all in. Uh, and this idea of like offloading the memory because you're taking a photo of it, you don't make it important. It doesn't store in the same way. So you don't recall it as well. It kind of goes a little counterintuitive to what we would expect. That taking I think a photo depending on what type of photo you're taking. If it's a smartphone photo, maybe. But I'm taking a photo and I'm going into it afterward and then... Yes, yeah, so you're spending more time yeah, with the photo. exactly. So that's really because of Lightroom that you yes, remember yes. it better. Uh, well, there's a new study that looked at this phenomenon and came up with like a slightly different uh, take on what's happening. Not the offloading that's actually happening. It's actually because you're fumbling with a bunch of stuff and your attention is redirected. Because you're hitting buttons, that you're looking at the mm -hmm. camera, that you're worried about the operation of the camera, that a form of distraction is setting in. And so when you take a photo, your recall of that photo is much less, but not because you're prioritizing it any less. It's because there's just more distractions in the world drawing your attention away. Why do you think people do it? Do you think people take photos because they want the opportunity to look at it as much as they want later? Yeah, I think like when uh, you, as soon as we got to the point where it's like, well, these will exist forever and it's free to store these. Yeah, forever. It made it it basically devalued the experience it did. somewhat. Uh and it's sort of a, it's a shame in certain places. Because really, like the the some of the study authors, one of them joked around was like, maybe you should just like put the camera down. Um, but uh, you know, it was just a joke. But I I'll say that when I do a museum tour, I usually walk twice. I do the one walk without the camera, and then the second round is when camera's up. I well, I think it just put, pokes a deeper hole in the idea of sometimes like people are like, oh, I'll take a picture of this to help me remember it. Unless you yeah. actively right. engage with the photo later, that doesn't work. I think it does help, though, <laughs> taking pictures of the plaque. Yeah, I keep telling you the science says no, and you're like, nope, I'm different. I, I think Jack White did a concert where he took away everyone's cell phone, and I, people loved it. And it wasn't because he was afraid people were going to record it. It was so that people wouldn't hold their screen up and you know watch their screen. As did he provide entertainment during the set change? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, did he provide entertainment in the show? No, um, I, I, I assume yeah, he pro provided entertainment. I don't know. During the, the boring minutes of the set change? Yeah, I don't know. People that's had to talk that's to each other. a terrible half hour. All right. One for Norm. Now one for Jeremy. Uh, Twitter user Smokey Bowls. Yes, shout out Smokey Bowls. Uh, turned me on to this idea that science is... Yeah, I know. I said that out loud on a podcast. Um, turned me on to this um, uh, recent development of scientists mm -hmm. actually using voxel printing mm -hmm. uh, yeah. to, uh, uh, to create better tangible... Uh, representations of the 3D models. Great. Can you explain this? Yeah. So essentially, it's using different printers uh, to uh, capture more realistic data through this different sort of software mechanism. So, I mean, we know what voxels are, like how they capture mm -hmm. richer information than like 
uh, typical slices. And so there's easy what? ways to transfer some pretty rich 3D information from scientist data sets. Like you can imagine like topographic maps of, of planets. I have a pretty rich uh, uh, scan of my brain mm -hmm. uh, that we could print um, uh, uh, with voxels that I think would result in something much more interesting looking. What are we talking about here? I think of voxels as being 3D pixels, right? Like on a, in a in pixels a, with depth data. Exactly. Like exactly. I, old computer games, I remember. Like they they looked cool, but what if I'm 3D printing something? It's already inherently 3D, and you could think of it as 3D pixels, like a, a dot, you know, in 3D. What, what is different about this? What is this technology giving you that traditional methods don't? Oh, it's just it's really just like the the um, uh, the software in terms of its its sort of representation of of the data because so it's not about the print no it's not oh, really okay. about the okay i thought there was something about the 3d printing them no no okay. but we will try this with okay. some data i have and we can uh see how it works all right the biggest story that i wanted to touch on this week is about breast cancer treatments so there's a recent study in the new england journal of medicine again i believe uh, that analyzed about 10,000 early-stage breast cancer patients. And early-stage breast cancer is one of the more fo common forms of breast cancer. In this case, it is a HER2-negative um, uh, breast cancer, which is uh, that's sort of the, the hormonal pathway. that, um, uh, And it, it's a, you can get a genetic test for this uh, that shows that you have this early-stage treatment. So right now, even though a lot of people test positive for this, the most common treatment is chemo. Uh, and chemo is obviously a very difficult treatment regimen. Well, a new analysis came out um, looking at the um, essentially like genetic severity. There, I mean, there's ways to tease out what, what that means, but you can look at the severity of, of the cancer. And they found that a wide majority of patients could actually be placed on a hormonal therapy rather than chemo, which has many less side effects and achieve the same treatment uh, results. So this genetic test that's already being done on these patients already provides that level of information. Uh, and so they did a double blind study where they were able to offer hormonal treatment to these, that, uh, these patients that fell into a category of less severe breast cancer. And it was just as effective, if not more effective than the chemo without the side effects, which is massively wonderful news. Um, this means, uh, and to give you just a sense, like out of the 10,000 patients, 7,000 of them were available to, for this hormonal treatment over chemotherapy. That is, uh, I think one of the most, uh, fundamentally interesting advances in breast cancer treatment we've seen in a long time, uh, which could make a difference for a lot of people. This is obviously a very specific type of breast cancer. It's only for early stage. Um, but this, I think, holds a lot of promise for breast cancer treatment. We live in the dark ages. And lastly, one for me. Um, so a, a team of researchers built a Lego beer pouring device. It's basically this mechanical device that just tips a bottle over and pours it into a glass. And uh, so that's not very exciting. I mean, it's cool. I would want one, but it's not super exciting. The reason they did this is to see... Uh, if they could learn what people preferred in terms of their uh, what they desired out of a perfect pour of beer. Uh -huh. And so they actually had people watch this, uh, and they analyzed a few different uh, mechanisms using cameras on the actual beer itself, like 
surface tension, like how big of a foam it was, mm -hmm. how much volume they sort of took in, uh, coloration, that kind of stuff. And combined it with facial recognition data from the people looking at it. And were able to identify what people's preferences were okay. uh, pretty quickly. Preferences meaning satisfied or not satisfied. Is yes. Like a thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah, this is what, like, the amount of head I like on my beer. Mm -hmm. right. This is, like, right. the color of the beer that I like. But not taste. Uh, well, no, because they're not actually giving them the taste of the beer, right? Well, you, you could make the argument that they like what they've associated with good taste. Sure, sure. What about, like, frost and, like, a frosted glass or not frosted glass? Yeah, that was one of the huge, characteristics huge. they looked at okay. is the glass um, uh, type. So, anyways, what they're able to do because they did this with, like, sort of a, a normal network uh, is be predictive now. Yeah. They can give you the beer that they think you will like. Like my beer. Mm -hmm. Well, that would not be good because I don't think you like beer. No. But for me, they should yeah. be able to identify give you based, what you like based off of a few simple questions. That's the that's the good side. I can get the perfect pour of the future. Yeah. See, and mm -hmm. all it took was somebody building a Lego robotic beer pouring device to standardize beer pouring. Now they were only accurate to about. 80%. So there could some 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 deep learn neural those 20% people can go suck it. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's how statistics works. <laughs> that's it for this week. The VR minute virtual reality this week. It's getting to the season where it's warm in here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's June. Mm. Longer days. Hey, we got a bunch to talk about in VR, AR. So we're going to go through some pretty, pretty quickly. On the Oculus Go side, two things we want to talk about. Uh, one, if you are a basketball fan or just a sports fan in general, we implore you to check out Next VR. Uh, they're doing something with the NBA Finals uh, where they're taking their locally recorded uh, stereoscopic 180-degree video and cutting them into some highlight reels that are pretty high bitrate. You have to download them. You can't even stream them. Why can't you stream them? They can't be that big. I think that their servers just don't want to, they don't have to pay for the servers to do that. Yeah, streaming. maybe you're right. And to, to have it in real time, it will allow for some scrubbing because people assume will want to scrub. True. It's nice and high res. It looks yeah. crisp. And it's if you have an experience what sports could look like, because they do a lot of ads for basketball and VR with Gear VR. Yeah. It's, uh, and... It's not exactly being courtside. In fact, the best angles are not courtside. The best angles are right behind the um, the basket. A lot of action there. Um, you get to see a lot that you wouldn't see in a broadcast. And what I'd love to do is see at some point, this it's not ready now, is this type of high bitrate stereoscopic video being streamed live and sync that up with the commentary that you would hear on the radio or something <laughs> and just be able to watch a full basketball game in, in VR. Yeah. I'm... A thousand percent behind this. We're actually going to try something right after this podcast because Oculus Venues is hosting a screening of a baseball game. Let's now, talk about Oculus Venues. Can we? Venues, yeah, it's it's not exactly. It's not. It's not full video. The same. It's a video component with social. Yeah. So you are in a, a. It's like big screen. It's their version of big screen. Very much. But so. instead of movies, it's for the, their partners are. Mostly these sporting and comedy events and 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 music events. There's a they just released it a, a week ago, and I think there's a handful of movies. It's not many. Yeah. I, Reservoir Dogs. Mm. They're showing in a couple months. Um, you know, I watch that. But the the idea is you, and I only saw one event. Um, there was when I tried it. There had only been two. There was a concert, and then there was a comedy show. 
the comedy show was two dimensional video and the, the scale was off. So that's the downside. Like, so are you watching on a big screen or it, is no? It supposed it's supposed to be, to be like you're in the audience. Yeah. So it's right? supposed to be like it's scaled. The you'd actually need a wider angle shot. Yeah, because the the audience, the, the the auditorium is big. The trade-off is you lose fidelity of the video. So right. like maybe you don't want that. In any case, the, what they chose to go with felt odd. You felt like an ant right. watching a comedy show from right. a human. Right. So the the guys up there, two-dimensional video, you know, off scale, but you look around yourself and it's all perfectly scaled social environment where all of the avatars from other Oculus Go users presumably are uh, surrounding you. That's not the interesting thing about uh, Oculus menus, though. The, uh, the interesting thing is that when you join a room, you're in there with, I think, 16 other people. Good amount. It will, and if you look at who's in there, you can change any seat. You can sit next to any, any crazy avatar you want to. It will tell you if the person sitting next to you has a, a friend in common Oh. on Facebook. Interesting. Uh, it will tell you if they've ever liked something you've liked. So... I, and not even if they're sitting next to you. It, I joined a room and it said, um, you know, John234 liked color DMDs, which is a pinball thing that like nobody knows about but pinball fans. And so you jumped next to them and started chatting so with them about whoa. it. Whoa, so I could have, oh. but I didn't because <laughs> I'm a little freaked out. How did you know that? <laughs> we both like the Facebook exactly. thing. Uh, there's another guy who knows Dan Morris. Oh. You know, I could have sat next to him and, and started that conversation. Right. And for extroverted people, I'm sure that that's exactly what they did. But you're the, creating a lot of awkward social encounters. What if they jump to you and you're introverted and you're like, I don't want to talk about this right yeah, now. I maybe just want to watch this comedy show, mute. And you can turn off your mic. And you can do that. You don't even have to sit with the audience. If you just want to watch the show, there's like a private balcony you can be in. But this was like the first experience I've ever had in social where it employed, it, it used the data from Facebook, from right. the social network. Right, right, right. To make connections in a way that I saw the future. When we have this augment, when Ray-Bans have AR built into yeah. them and we're walking around the world, we're going to be able to see people who we have things in common with and feel closer to them for that reason. And I, I think that that was, that was, that took me by It's the social network equivalent if I like your t-shirt. Yeah. Right? Oh, you like that band too? Right. You don't have to wear the t-shirt anymore. Yeah. It just pops up. It, it was an interesting I gotta experience. See, I got to see what this looks like. Unfortunately, it's go. So you, all you have is head tracking and rotational from a hand. And there's no positional for either one. So, you know, you want more. Even they got to do a better job with the cross-platform experience between Go and Rift. Yeah. I don't think Venues is even on Rift. No, it's not. No. It's just like Rooms. I don't understand why that is. Why can't it be on Rift? There are separate stacks, development stacks. Yeah. But it was cool. And there was this group of people sitting two rows in front of me, all speaking Japanese to each other. And they were turning to each other. It was like a big screen experience, right? Yeah. But was Did it you shush people? them? No. But they're all talking. And the people in front of me were having their own conversation saying, it's interesting. They're all speaking Japanese. And then one of the people in front of me said, you know, um, konnichiwa. And the, the Japanese people, they turned around. And they, and they waved. And they said, konnichiwa. Hello. Hello. It was this, it was this really actually kind of cool. It was pretty awesome. Welcome to AOL chat rooms, circa 1997. Yeah, yeah, this, this is that. I thought that it was pretty cool. You like Jim Carrey? <laughs> I like Jim Carrey. <laughs> What's weird is, is that one of the notifications was, you know, Alyssa321 likes How I Met Your Mother. And Ooh. like, I don't even remember ever liking that, but I guess I did at one yeah, point. Right. So there you they go. They need to, what they should do is refine that data. Because right now, those likes, when Facebook first started, the likes were about like, self-declaring 
and then it really quickly became marketing, right? Opting into marketing, yeah, and and they'll never do it, but like occasionally pop up. Do you still like this band? Yes or no? <laughs> or just have them expire if you don't visit that it, page. Ex- expire totally, but some type of opt in as opposed to just they did get spam. granularity of those controls. Yeah. Uh, and they would know more about you. I mean, I guess it's it's to their interest. Uh, the other thing with uh, Oculus Go is that John Carmack, who has been working on mobile VR for his entire time at Oculus Facebook, is also now on the go working on a remote desktop application. He confirmed this via Twitter. Someone asked about input devices, because I guess this spurred off with a f- image of John Carmack having cut a hole in the bottom of his facial interface on the Go so he could see his keyboard and mouse. Oh, really? And someone's like, hmm. well, that's okay. That's 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 cool. It's huh. hackable, I guess. But when do we get keyboard and mouse input on Go? Because you can't right now. You only have Bluetooth gamepad. And they're, they're remote. And someone else is like, well, when would you use keyboard and mouse? Remote desktop? And John Carmack says, yes. In fact, I am working on remote desktop. Yep. So... That I think is a is could potentially be a killer app for Go, and I would really I mean that would make me want longer battery life on Go for sure. What's interesting is uh, the designer of remote what is it called virtual desktop, yeah, which has been a Rift app, yep, for a long time now. Followed it up and said, you know, my morning just got a lot more interesting. Totally. Um, and Carmack said, happy to collaborate with you and and share some things. But apparently, Carmack is going beyond software hacking. He says he's working with Qualcomm on something crafty. Interesting. Yeah. Low-level access. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. Um, uh, Beat Saber. Can't can't go through a VR minute without talking about Beat Saber. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beat Saber, got a, it's, it's a great game, first of all. Everyone should try it. It sold very, really well. But one of the ways it got notoriety was one of the mixed reality videos with a green screen showing a player playing Beat Saber. Mm-hmm. And these mixed reality videos are things that help sell VR games. I think it really helped for Job Simulator. These guys at Alchemy developed their own tool sets for mixed reality, for remote cameras. This is when you see a real person uh, integrated. In, in a virtual reality. Yes, integrated, not just green screen, but dimensionally integrated with occlusion. Right, you usually see them playing the game from a third-person camera. Yeah. And you can even move the camera from time to time. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a demo of a depth-sensing camera integration that allows for mixed reality, and Beat Saber was one first implementation, without any green screen, purely using depth data and optical data for the moving subject and even tracked occlusion. That was the neat thing, is that it's not just no green screen, which would allow you to mask out the background, but because it's depth sensing and they can tell where the player is, they can actually put game objects between the camera and the player. Yeah. So when the player was playing Beat Saber and they hold this katana behind them, it occludes their body. Now that's something you don't get with a green screen. You know? No. That, that's cool. Yep, yep. Uh, the depth sensing aspect and also maybe some skeletal modeling, which you can totally do with just an optical video feed. Yeah, because I think it uses Kinect, doesn't it? Yep. So that is something that, we want to see this developed in the future. Not everyone's going to have their own green screen, but no. we want ways to show ourselves um, in in VR. That's very cool. It, the company that does these videos is called Live, L-I-V, mm-hmm. and they hired a somebody from the Echo Arena community had oh. developed this open source software. They hired him on. He's now an employee there, and uh, you can try this. It's an alpha if you join the Live Discord channel. Very cool. Uh, a couple of bits of gaming announcements. Next week is E3. E3, big gaming convention. Lots of games announced, hopefully some VR stuff. Insomniac is teasing open VR, open world VR game. Insomniac, 
uh, makers of what was that third person um, uh, horror game they did? Yeah. I, I was too scary um, for me. And then they also did, of course, uh, the, uh, the the magician game, yep. Unspoken. Unspoken. Um, and I think people have had VR long enough, and they're long enough VR legs to edge of to nowhere. make some that edge of nowhere. That's right, scary one. Um, to make an open world VR game, I can't wait. I want this to be I, the first company to make a giant made for VR. Well. All they said is you can go anywhere. Like, we don't know it's an open world game. That would be incredible. Yeah. You know what I'm actually kind of interested in? So Insomniac is the one that's making the Spider-Man game for PS4 that has generated a lot of buzz. Yeah. yeah. What about a little Spidey action in yeah. VR, right? Yeah, do it. In, uh, in an open world format? Not, so not easy problem to solve, web-slinging. No. There's a third-party game called Unbreakable Gunball. And the Switch started off as a Spider-Man style web slinging, and then now it's their own original IP. And they have a lot of experimentation with web slinging, quote unquote, in a open city environment. When you get it right, really fun. But web slinging, without actually being in the air and just moving your hands, you've got to do a lot of pulling, a lot of, a lot of retracting. Um, Spider-Man, or else you just end up just kind of dr- you know, dangling between two buildings and stuck up against the wall. Web slinging that would, really that all, would be pretty funny if that's right? what happened to a lot like of people. Like untrained Spider-Man, you're just basically once you lost momentum, like physics hurts you. You need to take advantage of physics. You also need to combine it with, I think, um, Echo Arena style, Lone Echo style wall crawling. I think that's yeah. the other thing that really makes it uh, makes it work. Speaking of Echo Arena, uh, we're also anticipating uh, news on their their big update, and maybe we'll see something next week for that as well. Are you talking about Echo Combat? Echo Combat. Yeah. yeah. You might want to watch this week's episode of Projections oh. if you're interested in that. Is it a battle royale like everything? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just you, I mean, you, you know, everything is battle you, you've royale. Heard, it's, it's, you yeah, know. I know. Yeah. Uh, and then let's talk about Apple and the developments with AR Kit. So first of all, they've improved the world recognition of AR, and they're demoing that with some apps that let you detect distance between things, measure objects. Great, great. Uh, ARKit also now supports multiple users, and so uh, you multiple people can look at can look with their iOS devices at the same virtual object in a shared space. I think that's hugely important. And then I didn't know you couldn't do this before. Yeah, but it's interesting. Like right. they they Apple demoed three people in, in one VR space, then Lego said you could do five. So in I, AR, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. Yep, yep, because they all need to talk to each other, right? They all need to recognize without QR codes. Without codes. Without codes. Yeah. They recognize the same, different angles of the same table. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy when you have occlusion and when you have different lighting, once, for example. Once again, what this harkens towards with the AR headset. It, this, this is, all I could hear when I watched this is them laying the groundwork for a headset in yeah. the future and getting developers excited about making things with the flat screens so that there's content and there's experience and there's UI expertise when a headset comes. Because, by the way, the, the whole Lego demo, I thought, was... It, it missed the mark for me because the people ostensibly built a Lego set and then played a video game. Like, it right. had they had yeah. no connection. But if you have your hands free, if you're wearing a headset, to play with the Legos and play with something physical that also interacts with the augmented reality... Hey, especially that, with hand tracking... That gets interesting. You can pew-pew, yeah. right... Spaceships? Yeah. What I saw when I saw this is, I think I mentioned like a month or two ago about seeing the construction worker actually use AR Mm -hmm. to look at where pipes were uh, underneath the ground. This seems like an incredible business application for like architects and construction workers and engineers that 
to have multiple views to show their clients. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Uh, the other thing to expand that ecosystem of AR objects is a new file format shared by Apple Pixel and Adobe. It's called USDZ, and it's basically a, a zip file. Uh, it's a compressed file or a, a zero compression archive file. I shouldn't say zip file, an archive file that has all your AR assets that can be shared between applications. USD stands for Universal Scene Description. And that's, I think, the important part is it's not just a 3D model. It is a 3D model with real world dimensions. Right. So that it can be, any of these objects can be augmented and placed in, in placed into the real world yep. using an app or and what the have scale you. will always be right. Exactly. So that like Fen the Fender demo is like you could see what a guitar looks like sitting in your bedroom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Has Adobe ever partnered with Apple in this way around a file format? They've definitely partnered with Apple. I don't know about a file format before. I mean, they have Photoshop and they have an application called Dimensions that lets you build 3D, 3D objects for AR. Um, but I don't know. I hope we'll see more of that. Uh, last week, Jeremy and I were at the Augmented World Expo, mm -hmm. AWE, and we saw a bunch of things, headsets. I don't know if we want to dive too deeply into what we saw because they'll be in future episodes of Projections, but suffice to say, we did see the Vario headset. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw the AntVR Mix headset, and we had a, a cool haptics demo that we also tried. Yep. Um, we only there for a couple hours. So, but the, hand the, haptics or hand something? haptics. Uh, the cool, the thing that the big takeaway was that it was a massive convention. There were so many people, so many booths there. Of course, you had your Microsoft with their mixed reality headset. Of course, you had uh, big established AR and heavily invested companies like Meta was there with a big booth. But there were tons of small companies there. I was marveling at the fact that we had, it was just six years ago that the Oculus Rift was a discussion on the meant to be seen in 3D forum. Right, right. And now. It's like just like it was packed. There was a there were, lo the line to see a VR headset that we saw there was like ten people long. There were more tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of investment in product in that space. Yeah, uh, which was it, it's heartening. It was very cool, and and the Vario headset in particular. That's even from a VR standpoint, not just AR, just from VR is something you're going to want to learn more about. It was very impressive. All right. And that does it for the VR Minute. We'll have more VR talk on this week's episode of Projection, so stay tuned for that. And let's move on to our last segment. Is it your favorite segment? It will be this week. Testing this week. Hey, what have you guys been testing? Hey, what have you guys been testing? <laughs> I have a uh, the Kiwi Crate, which is an educational subscription box of of kind of like maker type stuff that my son and I have been building. Uh, it's going okay so far. Um, I'm a big believer in STEM based kind of projects, especially with the summer happening. But uh, I always am left with a little underwhelmed by the uh, the subscription boxes that have come my way. But I will let you know what I think soon when we're finished with it. Jeremy? I yield my time to the gentleman from San Francisco. Wow. Sitting um, to my right. I've been testing Dolby Atmos. <laughs> I got a new speaker system for uh, my LG TV, and it was, uh, it's incredible. Blade Runner 2049 with Dolby Atmos in 4K, the disc, not the streaming version. It's like Zimmer was in the room with you? I, it, it, was, it, was like a, it was like a tech demo. Can I ABC in your room? You can totally. Come I, over on ABC. 
okay. Blade Runner. Great. And also, because I do have that on streaming as well. Uh, and I am looking for a copy of The Matrix. I have it ordered from Best Buy. It won't arrive till July. So I would love to borrow a copy of The Matrix locally, 4K UHD HDR with Dolby Atmos to do a screening at home. Do you feel like there is a difference between the disc and the streaming yes. that you can hear? I can see. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what about here, though? Because I'm curious about that. I have not done the ABC test. Okay. But it sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we'll talk about let's, – let's jump into talking about Tesla. So I've become a mall rat. A mall rat? Ah, yes. See, I, I, I worry about talking. Are you about regressing to a teenager? I don't want to share this information, you know, with, um, with the locals. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I picked up the Tesla Model 3. Um, thank you, listeners out there. Um, Did it look like what you expected? Because you had to pick so much on, like, kind of a virtual screen. That's right, right. I, I mean, I've seen enough of it, and we, we did a, a test, uh, test ride with one of our listeners mm-hmm. uh, earlier, and... Uh, so I, I knew what I kind of knew what to expect, but never re- until you really own it and like are intimate with mm-hmm. everything about it. It looks better than I expected. Uh, it's not as small in my mind. It was like a Corolla. It was like um, a real compact four door sedan, but it's only like f- six inches shorter than my uh, previous sedan, which was a really long car, and so it feels spacious. Like it feels like, and I love the design of it. I, I love the color I got. I love the the rims. Uh, the driving driving experience, prim- primary, right? It is the the fastest car I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. The the most oomph off off the line, um, the smoothest. Uh, I don't feel the the bumps that some people have been recording uh, reporting uh, in terms of like feeling all the, the little bumps on the road. It still feels really smooth to me. I've turned off the high battery regen. I don't. So there there's a couple things that really differentiate the driving experience between electric car and a combustion car on a, a combustion car you coast when you when you let go of the the gas pedal you still move forward on an electric car most cars have uh the motor the battery regen and so it pretty much breaks instantaneously like you can attest to that on, on your car jeremy right when you let go yep. of the accelerator it it's almost like you're tapping the brake immediately which is why on the bolt you have a mode that's um, the opposite of that, where you can drive by braking. You either brake or you let go of the brake, and it cruises forward. They, they call it they call it one pedal driving. One, it, it, you switch into low, which is a different terminology than it's the opposite terminology. It's switching like switching into a low gear because it causes you to get the sensation of downshifting. Uh, Tesla doesn't have that, but on the other side, you brake pretty hard when you let go of the pedal. I've turned that off. I've turned on low regenerative braking because I do like to coast a little bit. I've turned off creep though. Creep is another thing, like like, which is you have on gas cars. If you let go of the brake, you creep a little forward. Here, if you let go of the brake, it is in a hold mode until you press the accelerator. And I've turned that off. Why did you turn off the regen, high regen? Because I like coasting a little bit. Because I, I, I'm not accustomed yet to the driving dynamics of like holding the pedal on. Mm-hmm. Uh, freeway. Right. Yeah, I actually yeah. kind of understand that in city driving, but I think once you start, you know, making a road trip to LA, that you might shut off that feature. Oh, I, I do. Yeah, I turn I turn off that hygiene. Yeah, I turn it off on the on, on the freeway. Yeah, right on yeah. the freeway because you're like I don't want to hold depress yeah. the pedal unless you're using yeah. cruise control. Yeah, like I'm I'm constantly just like. But don't you want that most efficient power regeneration? Don't you want to maximize the amount of? I also power want you? the most comfort. Mm. I got three ten miles. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the pickup experience, mm-hmm. I thought satisfactory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you set an appointment. It was at it's in Fremont in the Bay Area. 
It's not at the factory. They have their own delivery center. I thought you meant the acceleration Me for too. a second. And I was like, yeah. it's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, and um, it was funny. Driving up to this delivery center, you drive by the parking lot where they store all the Model 3s that they've been making, and it's hundreds of them. And you can see them. And I actually pulled into that lot, and the guy's like, no, no, no. You get out of here now. Don't get close to these other cars. The delivery center is down the road. So they are, they're making them. You can see hundreds of them, all the colors. <laughs> and then you have your appointment, and then the, a, a specialist comes to you, shows you your car in the garage. It's on like a mat along with all the other cars. Take pictures. You walk around it. You inspect it. You sign all documentation, and you drive away. Now, they have to assembly line this uh, handoff process. Yeah. They have, how many are they making? 3,500 a day? Uh, 500 a day. Okay, sorry. 500 a day. Yeah. They've across got, the country. I mean, across the world. I get it. But they got to roll out a lot of them. Yeah. So. Are there a number of people doing the same thing that you're doing there? It fe- felt like making an appointment to pick up a phone. Okay. It felt like going to the Apple store. This is your slot. This is your slot. Yeah. to walk up to you. Oh, are you Norman? Check your hand. Yeah. I'll be your expertise. W- Want to see your car? Your car is in this garage. Your one's right there next to other, other. Everyone's doing the exact same thing, walking around their cars. Want a picture of the car? Great. Get in the car. Uh, check it out a little bit. Sign the documentation. And then, and then drive away. Yeah. It took about... I'd say half an hour to 45 minutes mm-hmm. uh, for the whole thing. While you're in that lobby waiting, though, they've made that lobby decked out. I mean, they have their their, their uh, batteries, pa- uh, ba- battery panels, solar panels they want to sell you. They have a Model X and a Model 3 just sitting there for you to sit in and walk around. Mm-hmm. They have free coffee. Flamethrowers. Um, they, they have hats and T-shirts you can buy. Was it good coffee? It was pretty good coffee. Yeah. And while you were waiting, you said that your phone, uh, your car appeared in your app. Ah, so that's the thing. The, the, you tie your account to your car, to your phone app, right? Your car account to your phone app. And your phone is the way you enter the car. You, they have keys, these key cards that you can use. But really, it's proximity sensing. And so when you're logged in your phone, I, was, I downloaded the app, logged in. I could see that my car, based on GPS, where it was, it was you know 70 feet away from me. I could have honked the horn. I could have opened the trunk. I could have turned on the AC with the app, with it because it was already tied to my tied to my account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they already assigned that VIN number to me. Uh, took it home, autopilot, it home. autopilot all the way home. Nope, didn't autopilot. This is some of the surprising things. I, I've made I've made an ongoing list, and we'll probably make a video about this of things that you might not know as a new car owner, or you may not they don't tell you as a new Tesla car owner. But uh, it's not charged all the way because they never want to top it off unless you're ready for a trip. An autopilot actually has a calibration period. So for the first, they say about 50 miles, and it took about 80 miles for me. Uh, the cameras are calibrating, and you don't get the icon for even uh, traffic-aware cruise control or autopilot uh, because every car has a slightly different alignment. That's interesting. So this different, that seems reasonable. So this, the tolerances for the camera placement aren't 100%. Exactly. Th- they, they that's need, interesting. And, and same for auto park. Like It, it needs a calibration period. Even before if it, it can do auto parking. Even if it was, doesn't it make you feel better that it goes through a calibration Totally. Period? Yes. Totally. Yeah. But I wanted, I mean, it's a Fremont. It was like an hour drive. So I wanted the autopilot. I wanted to demo it, but you can't do that until. But it makes makes total sense. Uh, it does in some ways feel like a beta experience, a beta, a beta software experience. Mm-hmm. There are things that like, that they're, I know they're constantly improving over time, but I think between my, me getting the car and the next two days, like I got the software update where the rear seating, rear seat heating, got turned on. What they just yeah. did that? Yeah. Wow. Uh, the voice control—they have their version of Siri. You can ask for directions, 
to get home. How would you ask for uh, directions to to get home? How do I get home? Uh, Directions home. How do I get home would not work? Directions to home would not work. It's navigate to home. Really? Yeah, they have their lexicon. That fe- yeah, that'll get better. That's very specific. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, what else did I feel like uh, software-wise? How do you feel? How have you adjusted the experience of having the the, the center, single single center console screen thing within five minutes? No problem. Really? Yeah. I always thought that was going to be the hardest part of I, adjusting to knowing it. My just speed. because your eyes have to go somewhere completely different. Yeah, not a problem at all. Uh, I will talk. Well, let's talk about the bug. The big bug. I ran into a huge bug at the car. <laughs> Went over to Jeremy's house to show Jeremy and his family. Parked on a slight incline on the side street next to Jeremy's house. Parked the car. Maybe it was like 15 minutes after we were ready to head out. Got in the car. Put in the drive. When you put your car in the drive, the car doesn't, unlike a, a gas car, doesn't automatically roll. It's in a hold position. You have to put your foot on the accelerator Put my foot on the accelerator just a little bit to head up. It started going backwards. Drive and reverse were flipped. What? I'm still convinced that it was you think it was momentum? rolling backwards because it was on a hill and it needed you to give it more so, gas. No, we 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 tur- remember we we I turned know, off the it car. Was different after we, we fixed set it. it. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we thought is it neutral? Is that why? Is it like some gas cars when you're on a hill? If you if you go on a drive, yeah. it does fall back just a little bit. Did it have like a D on the screen it had for a being D on the screen? My foot not being on the accelerator was still on hold, and in the moment I pushed a little bit of acceleration, yeah, it started moving backwards. And you were afraid to really give it more gas because you didn't want to hit the car behind you. Yes, there yeah. was a car, and we were inching closer and closer right. to it. So and this is where we had to put it in neutral, which yeah. is not clear how you do it. Um, it, you have to go to the manual and figure out that it's you like hold the stock in one position, and then Jeremy, you and Danica, and Danica pushed it up Att- a couple inches. Attempted to push it. It's please, a heavy car. Please, please tell me somebody took a photo because no. I just want to see a photo. I was of hoping, somebody pushing. Thinking up. this was definitely something somebody would take a video of if anybody saw it. But uh, so it was freaking heavy, like it's, as it should be. Yeah, so and it was on a hill. Yeah, but it's it's heavy. So uh, we didn't push it very far. No. Eventually. So what happened? How did yeah. it fix itself? Well, Jeremy had the bright idea, brilliant idea, turning it off. <laughs> no, no, we we turn <laughs> of of testing to see if it was a rollback of neutral thing. He t- found a big rock, like a really big, like the size of this laptop style rock, and put it behind one of the tires. And so if it was just rolling back, it would. Yeah. stay and if it was actually reversing it would try to go over the rock can i just say at this point danica said are you just gonna pop hit the tire and make norm cry and i said i don't think so and she said you don't think he'll cry <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your bet you think he would have cried <laughs> I jerry don't... wasn't it was convinced it wouldn't pop the tire i wasn't even going no to it wasn't gonna yeah. pop the tire yeah. um and so after we did that and it felt the resistance then it's, it went forward, and everything was okay. And it's yeah. been okay since. It wasn't even that it reversed, drive and reverse. Both reverse and drive were going in reverse. Have you had that problem since? No. no. But it's been reported in forums that some people have had drive and reverse swapped. That seems to be a big issue. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and, and then once it moved forward, yeah. then you retested it without uh-huh. the rock. Right. And you put it in drive, and you were able to accelerate, and it only it creeped back less than an inch. I mean, it was yeah. almost nothing. Right. Not what we had beforehand, which right. was moving 
So like there a was foot, a, there a was foot. a difference. There was a difference. So that that was very strange. Yeah. Do you beta think software, inc- beta car. Incline had anything to do with this? Well, that's what know. I'm saying. Like, yeah. Oh, like maybe some mode wasn't engaged or something? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You haven't seen that since, I assume. No. No. So bizarre. So bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going back to being a mall rat, charging. So I don't have my 240 volt uh, charger installed at home yet, the 220 volt. Well, let's point out that it ships with everything you need to, sh- to charge on 240 volt. This is the interesting thing because when you were talking about the bolt, you talked about when you bought your, your car, you need to buy a several hundred dollar accessory. They call it a charger. Which all it does is its transformer converts your wall. It's not a transformer. It's not even a transformer. No, it's, it's an adapter. It's a relay. A re- okay. It switches that current on and off. Ah, That's it. Right, right. So you plug your, your 240 volt, what you would plug a washer dryer yeah. into, uh, four prong, and then when it plugs in your car, you can charge. But that connection, hundreds that of plug dollars. is hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Tesla does include one. With two adapters, one for two two forty and one for one ten. Thought that was very cool. Um, and so I just need to get the the four prong installed because I have an older house and I have only have a three prong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a thirty two amp charger, which is different than when the first Teslas were shipped. The Model S is a forty amp charger, but they're interchangeable. So if you have a forty amp charger, you could charge your car faster than with a thirty two amp one. But not having it installed. I'm just going to the mall because there are some free chargers at local malls. If you go to PlugShare.com, you can find a map of where Volta, which is a company that has these kiosks mm-hmm. with ads on them. They're ad-supported, and you can pull into them, and for like a two-hour maximum, they don't actually cap it. They just suggest like a library, like computer at library time. Like You don't think they shut off after two they hours? They don't. I tested. I stayed there for two and a half hours, and I got oh, I got 60 miles. Dude, come on. You're a member of a community now. you got to share the love. I was testing it, Jeremy. You need a sign. Uh, he's whatever. trying to be an independent car journalist. <laughs> uh, and for, for two hours at 32 amps, you get about 50 miles of range. I don't, you will now feel my pain when people use those spots who aren't charging. Sometimes people pull in. Because they're EV? Sometimes they're EV. Like, sometimes there's not EV? And, and, they just, and they, they're not even charging. Oh. They're just plugged in. They, they just think it's EV parking. Oh, And it drives wow. me crazy. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Well, like fifty miles is what, like three bucks, four bucks. It's like, yeah, it's equivalent, a gas equivalent. Sorry, it's the gas equivalent of like, you know, a gallon and a half of gas. Have you charged so like at home at all? Bucks. Not yet. One ten? No. no, no. And even one ten, there's the there's the two there's one that if you have the one ten prong with the angle, with the right angle on it, um, that actually gives you a little more voltage. Really, and that's four miles per hour as opposed to three miles per hour of regener of, of charging. Yeah, I know it affects the speed, but does it affect the battery life? What voltage you charge at? No. Okay. Yeah, they do recommend that you don't charge it all the way full. Yeah, you I never want to deplete it either. You kind of keep it in that middle eighty percent. That's news to me. Range. I I don't think I have that option. I have a hilltop reserve option, which keeps me from going all the way full, which yeah. allows the regenerative braking to always work even on a full charge. Oh. But like the boosted board, yeah. if you charge all the way up, regen braking doesn't, doesn't work, work because yeah. there's nowhere for that power to go. Right. Right. Here they suggest you can drag a slider and say. My daily charge, daily trips, I only want to charge up to 80, 90%, mm. and then only top it off to 10% on the day you know you're going to make a big trip. Right. <laughs> there will be lots more to say about the driving experience of this car. If I think we're going to drive to lunch. Yeah, if you want to learn more, just go to the local model near Norm's house, <laughs> and he'll tell you about it I saw since some, he will be there. Saw some jaw drops. What are you talking about? People, so uh, we're waiting in the car is a thing now. Because previously, yeah. waiting in the car, listening to music, using AC, yeah. 
would be draining on the battery. Yep. Here, the car is plugged in. And it's still using the battery. It's still using the battery, but you're not like worried about not being able to start the car afterward. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's cold, then you can send someone to wait in the car, and you can turn on the AC and, and, and warm them up. Yeah. So waiting in the car recently uh, at the mall, just waiting, you know, just hanging out, waiting for some food to get delivered. People walking by, jaws dropped. At the three? At the three. You think people, oh. There was some recognition. Huh. Did you do the three-finger wave? Not, they didn't own the car. <laughs> oh, oh, that's reserved. That's reserved. Oh my gosh. Awesome. All right. Uh, that will do it for us this week on This Is Only a Test. Uh, next week, we'll be at E3, but talk about E3 when we get back. Um, and whew, if you have questions about Tesla ownership, post them in the comments below. Happy to answer them. Uh, we have an outro this week, Jeremy. Hi there. I didn't see you. That's it. Um, well, if you can't beat them, join them. I am mining coins on oh, my Jesus. on my computers. Um, I, I put them to work. So That's it. We're done. Why not? <laughs> why not? Hey, w- one thing we forgot. Mm. Uh, just the delightful news of Simone posting uh, images of her yeah. recovering and, and generally seeming like she's getting back to herself and ahead of uh, what I expected. She looks great. She looks best, awesome. Best of luck. But I have to get rid of all these eye patches now. And now we have to get special effects for the scars. Love it. Let's do it. See you next week.